How's it going, everyone? Welcome to an episode of Confidently Anxious, where I reflect with people who express some drive in life to connect with others in their own unique way. My guest today is Chris Brown. Chris is a close friend, a true brother who serves a purpose of sharing an abundance of valuable knowledge with those he surrounds himself with. Whether it be from numerous readings or from the habitual way with which Chris lives alongside several different interests such as nutrition, sports, or real estate, he exemplifies great ideas around routines and how to create meaningful value across different segments of life. With a true dedication to order, Chris showcases how to be balanced and anti-fragile in light of it all. Now, with that being said, let's get to the show. All right, Chris, welcome to episode number six of Confidently Anxious, the season finale. Thank you so much for being here, first and foremost. Brother, uh, it's an honor, um, especially after seeing the guest list of who came before me this season. Um, I'm just very happy to be here and have a normal conversation like we always do, but in just maybe a recorded form. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, brother. Great. This one is one of the most that I've been looking forward to. So just to kind of hop into it, obviously the way that I know you is a person who is very encouraging of routines. Like you have set routines, but you innovate with your routines. You're always like thinking how you can have different routines in your life. Um, it comes naturally to you, but you also put some thought into it as well. So I guess with that being said, and I think it's a great takeaway for just a lot of people to sort of embrace the different dynamics of routines that they can have in their lives. What are the latest changes that you've made to sort of your daily habits um, as of now? Daily habits and routine. That's a, it's, it's very important to me. I'm glad. I guess it's probably a very fitting place to start. Um, I mean, for friends who know me, I, that's kind of one of the things that I'm just, I'm very regimented on. I just believe very firmly in it. And it's not some, you know, artificial or forced type of setting like you said it just it's very natural I think maybe it's OCD tendencies maybe it's being a little bit neurotic about things yeah I had to learn over the years to kind of curtail that and make it a little bit healthier and I'm still evolving that but um, I guess just to give a little backdrop before actually answering the question of the specific things is I just I love having routines and habits and been very I guess like inundated or just very into, you know, personal growth and trying to, trying to just be better and trying to figure out a way to system, systematize that. I don't know if that's a word actually, but make it into a process or like just trying to hack that and how to actually do it. And for, you know, for years now in various forms and we'll get into the nutrition piece and (laughs) all of this takes form in different avenues in life, but it's the overarching theme of like order and, and habits. So I just, I feel like it just helps you get the life you want actually done. And I think that's why it's so important and it just provides structure and not to get too off topic so early, but one of the things we always talk about with, uh, I think guest number one, Andre, right? One of our dear friends. Um, we just always talk about how some constraints are positive in, in nature and how a lot of times when people think of the word constraint, it thinks of constriction or something that is imposed upon you that limits your choices and freedom. But we don't have to get into it now, but the overall summary is that constraints are very, very powerful yes. in mm-hmm. actually freeing you. And we talk about that with marriage. Yeah. We talk about that with fitness, with everything. Okay. Uh-huh. Sorry, a little prelude there. And that's so- why routines are so nice because you're reinforcing self-direction for yourself 
and you're able to leverage those positive constraints so that you can like build so many foundations, but there's a lot of freedom inside of the routines you have as well. So, um, yes, it allowed by being tight or strict or tight or having this type of thought process, it allows you to be free within that, I think is the yes. best way to think about it. Okay. Yeah. Specific things of late. Um, I'll, I'm trying to think. I will give, I guess, habits maybe recently that I've been thinking about and then also just maybe because some habits, a lot of my habits and routines, it's not like month to month or week to week. I'm like always changing. Sometimes I'm updating things or some things always stay in the routine. Some things kind of weave their way in and out. Um, like one of the things from a habit and routine perspective uh, is I guess I'll just start like a, a typical day. Maybe I'll just I'll wake up. Um, I love going for a walk. I think that's super important to set the tone for the day and get you, give you an opportunity to mix physical with mental and spiritual clarity. And I've been listening to a lot of Tony Robbins and Ed Milette recently. Really? Um, Tony Robbins? Yes. Interesting. Uh, they both have this interesting philosophy of whenever you're anxious, whenever you're off whenever something doesn't feel right and you want to make a change in your life or even in the moment of how you feel the easiest and quickest way to do it is to change your physiology like that so what that mm. means is doing something physical to get out of your head to get out of just sitting here thinking when you do the physical when you move your body when you get your uh your your blood moving when you get out of your head and start actually using your body physically it allows you to start to create those changes and to think differently mentally. And it's mm. a very interesting topic that I, I mean, those two guys, Ed Milet and Tony Robbins, if, if you don't know who either of them are, haven't looked into them, it just, you got to do it. They're just wizards with personal growth and development. But Well, I know who Tony Robbins is because he is just spread across yeah. a range of different things. Um, but who who's the other guy, Ed? Uh, his name's Ed Milet. Okay. Um, he, he has a book that actually just, came out uh it's it's fantastic it's called uh, one more i believe maybe i'm butchering the title but i'm almost done with it right now so i should know the title but it's one <laughs> more i think or the power of one more excuse me but he is a real estate investor entrepreneur nice. a lifestyle coach motivational speaker kind of in the tony robbins like realm of that type of person guru Got and it. he basically just helps you get the most out of your life and he's uh, very, very successful, but he's also very humble and he has a lot of great wisdom about life. And I've just started to kind of dive into him with uh, my girlfriend and uh, it's just, it's really great content to enjoy. But so yeah. another huge tangent bringing back to walking. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, the coffee, the mushroom coffee as Vlad said in his episode, it's definitely hitting. It's, <laughs> um, it's magic. <laughs> yeah. So I'll try and get through this. So yeah, I, I, I love going for a walk in the morning. That's been in and out of my routine over the past couple of years, but recently it's been back in. I just just love it. Um, another thing is a, a cold morning shower is also. I know you you got you do that a lot too. Hell um, yeah, it's crucial. That's something I value a lot. The walking, by the way, is also just a good way to kind of like ease up and build up into the day instead of just like. Because a lot of times people will watch these motivational videos or something and they like the alarm clock goes off, boom, jump out of bed, fucking go. But I don't think that's a very, it causes you to be very reactive all day instead of like being centered and being able to, I guess, be anti-fragile. I feel like walking is like a good 
stepping stone to that. Yeah, walking is it's a good way to ease into your day. I definitely agree with that. It just helps you. Uh, it also helps you think. It helps get, get in nature. To I mean, some extent, obviously, you're not going to be in the mountains, but you're you're in nature more than your bedroom. So yeah, uh, you're walking. And there's a lot of powerful examples and a lot of people in history who really um, have commentary about how walking like i think it was nietzsche uh the german guy i don't know if i said nietzsche, nietzsche yeah he was saying he always says how like he's a quote that's uh it goes like no thought is, is worthy unless it is derived from walking or that's it's the gist of the quote. it's not the actual words but um it's just very interesting like i just love walking i just think it's so powerful in so many ways um but so that's a good one um uh, again cold showers um some sort of morning reading i'm a big fan of I have a few different daily readers, uh, is what they are. So there's a couple of authors that I really like. Uh, the Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday. That's a fantastic daily reader. I have. I have a a leadership and kind of personal development from John C. Maxwell. It's also a daily reader. Uh, he's he's kind of one of the older <laughs> forefathers. But he's one of the people who has a tremendous amount of books and content over the past few decades on just leadership and management, personal growth. Uh, I like that. Um, so why do you read? Why do I read? That's, yeah. what, what's, oh, let, okay, <laughs> let me go over the next couple and then we can talk about that. Okay. Okay. A <laughs> uh, couple other readers I have is a, a Robert Greene book. Um, he, he's the author of the 48 laws of power, the art of seduction, mastery, and 33 Strategies of War. He mm-hmm. has a daily reader as well, which weaves a bunch of those concepts in. And I've recently nice. started to read the Bible in the morning as oh, a daily reader. Yeah. So nice. um, those are those are kind of the daily routine. I just do that to get the mind right, to get some cool concepts. And I think daily readers are a powerful example of setting a habit because I don't say, oh, I'm going to read for 30 minutes or I'm going to read 20 pages. I literally say there's three or four books I have. I have the time to read one page from each of them. It's like, if you don't have the time for that, then you're not, li- you know, what are you mm. doing with your life? If you don't have the time for 10 minutes to read a couple pages. So it's very easy to sustain. So, so is that the mindset behind the few pages? Cause if you did think, Oh, I need to read 10 to 15 or more than that, then maybe you wouldn't do it at all. Yes, exactly. And I just like the books, how they are a daily reader because it's just a simple concept that it's, it's a very 80, 20 principle in effect. It's nice. a super high, uh, value topic that's in a paragraph or two with a quote maybe so it's instead of having to read like a chapter on something in a book and having to like think about what the value is you just get like a very small snippet of like a quote a little bit of morning motivation a little bit of mental framing to just start your day and they're usually really Damn, good that's fire. yeah it's it's just an easy thing to do that has a big impact on my life and I really enjoy it so I like that um hell yeah I really like that yeah. concept I really like that um I'll quickly answer the reading question uh, about what you said. Why do I like to read? That kind of goes into something we've talked about a lot with you know personal growth and knowledge and a lot of that type of uh, things in life. But I just love reading. Um, I get a lot of value from it. I, I enjoy it as a hobby in terms of collecting physical books. And, and I love having my notes in there. And I think it's just something powerful because it's helped me grow so much over the past probably five to six years. I've just... I just love it, man. It's so great to pick out these concepts of really people that are farther along in life than you doing something better than you and have something to share with the world. Yeah. And they've curated a book of one thing that they believe is powerful enough to give to you. And you can always take something out of it. And yeah, um, 
it's just a fun hobby. I just I just enjoy it. Like some people, I used to love watching TV shows and keeping up with those. And I don't really do that much anymore, just because I don't make make it a priority. I don't really have time for it as much. Um, yeah. But I've substituted that with reading. I just I just love it. You know. See, I was asking because I actually struggle like a lot of people to get over that hump and cross into reading consistently. Um, I think the few pages a day thing is a really great place to start because that's a, like an easy accountability. You get like that nice concept for the day and then you get to think on it and then it kind of invites you to read about another concept for a couple pages and then maybe that'll advance to more. But dude, I just like cannot get in the habit of reading and maybe, I don't know, maybe that just hits people at different times in life or something, but I see the value of like learning from other people's thoughts and ideas I don't know, like before you read, do you feel, oh, I feel like I need like more direction or more insights, so I'm going to go to the book or is it just a part of your daily habit? So it's just something that happens. Uh, it's a little bit of both. Um, the habit part is just there because I just tell them, I, I mean, I just identify myself, my self identity part of it as a reader. I just consume knowledge. I enjoy it. So it's just something I do naturally, but, uh, it's obviously been curated, but I do have times where recently some of those times where I will go on a kick of, uh, buying a lot of books at once. Like I, I always <laughs> have, I always have a queue of books. Like it, it, it's kind of crazy. Like I'll just like I don't just buy a single book and then read it and then buy another book and read it. I will go on like these spurts where I'll like find an author or find a book, find a podcast, find something that stimulates some sort of concept, idea, a little bit of inspiration, motivation, uh, something I want to learn more about or like a topic or an area of growth that I'm interested in for this given moment of time. And then I will say, I'll go to Amazon usually and I'll buy the book that started that thought and then I'll just like, I have an ever-growing list of books from the past 10 years that I want to read at some point in life nice. and I'll just go pick some that fit that mold of what I'm thinking and I'll just order them and um, I'll yeah. order, you know, three to eight books at a time, like whatever, <laughs> just whatever and then I just put them in a stack and eventually I'll get to them. Um, so that's, so recently I've been kind of, I guess let's, let's take a step back. A year ago, I was starting to really get into reading and learning about real estate. I just, I never really cared about it before. I never thought about it. Um, I, I guess this, or probably about this time last year is the first time I really started to care about it. Uh, for, seriously, I guess. Or learning about it and just wanting to know it became more. became more of a reality for you too. It did, yeah. Um, I guess so I, I started to just like buy real estate books and I was really into that. And then I still have some and I've, to be honest, I think I only read a handful of them. And there's more I want to consume, but I kind of took a step back from that and Recently, it's been more of, uh, I guess the first part of this year of 2022, the first half was I reread a couple of books that I had a powerful impact on me a few, within the past few years that I just wanted to revisit as a primer for the year. Um, a couple, like The Millionaire Next Door, like it, not that book, but The Millionaire Mind. It's another book by the same author. I reread that. I reread Think and Grow Rich. Uh, I reread a couple other, like, uh, maybe some Thoreau and Emerson type of stuff just to get me in a good headspace for the year. And then recently nice. it has been, uh, I've been kind of diving back into more self development growth, trying to get some emotional control. Um, so I've, I've been reading that Ed Milette book. Um, I've been really into some Derek Sivers content, which our, our dear friend, Andre, <laughs> thank you, Andre for that recommendation, because I don't think many people know about Derek Sivers, but uh, he is a what, very special. Human. What book would you recommend by him? 
He has. So uh, first, I would recommend his podcast with Tim Ferriss. Um, he and Tim are good friends. They have a couple of podcasts together. The first one he did, I think, is the best one. And he, he, he has a couple of really small books. They're like really thin, like 80 pages or less. Like it's more, it's less of a book and more of an accumulation of thoughts, articles, and ideas that nice. he just kind of puts out there. That's so it's cool. super easy to read. Nice. Um, I think it's one. Well, the first one is called like Anything You Want. The next one that I'm in the middle of now is uh it's it's called hell yeah or no and then he has another oh, yeah. yeah and then he has another small like little book called uh, how to live or rules for living or something like that but i think it's really cool how the way that you talk about reading is you use it for additional support for whatever initiative you have going on in life and you kind of use it as a visualization practice as well because you're constantly like consuming ideas and then pondering on those ideas yourself so that and then you put it into action like such as with real estate or something and then the visualization just becomes more of a reality that way so i think using books as a tool for that wow that just like really clicked for me yeah i think you just sparked something too for me is something i've kind of been thinking about or kind of living out or realizing um the past couple years in life is that maybe the past year or two and i think it's it's this interesting process for me, at least the way I visualize it for myself of kind of, and I have a very data oriented mind. I do, I, I do data for my career. I just, it's just the way I think a lot of times about things. I'm very strong. Probably a lot of where the habits, routines, OCD tendencies come from is I just, that's the way my brain works uh, in a lot of ways. Um, but not to get too off topic, um, <laughs> but it's cool too. Cause you have insights off of that data as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's so I guess one of the things I've been thinking about is in terms of, let's just frame it in terms of self-growth or learning in general. The way I think about it is a couple of steps, right? So first is uh, data accumulation, data uh, evaluation, and just really diving into something. And then once you consume content, then there's the piece that's kind of on you, which is the assimilation digestion of and reflection on that content that you just read. And then I guess another step after that would obviously be the, 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 the pruning, the implementation and just action based upon that, those first two stages of the learning and in, in that reflection process. Cause let's say I'm reading a book, let's just say, uh, how to or think and grow rich. So just, let's just use that. It's a classic example. Many people have read it. If you haven't, do yourself a favor have an open <laughs> mind and read that book. It's one of the greatest books of all time. Um, so let's just take that book as an example. The whole concept of manifestation, manifesting your reality, the power of your, your conscious and your subconscious mind of thoughts, and essentially how to turn, how to create your own reality and, and build your own life. That's maybe a super high level, maybe that's a bad summary, but that's the way I see it. So if we think about it, I'm, let's say I read that book. And I see all these concepts of manifestation and how powerful your thoughts are in influencing your self-belief, your identity, the actions and habits that you do on a daily basis, ultimately to become the person that you want to be. So let's say that's the, the knowledge I get from it. I reflect on that. It's like, how do I apply that to my life? How do I take what I learned in this book and like use it for growth? And then let's just say I whatever, do that, reflect on it. Then the next stage is how do you implement that into your life? How do you take what you learned from the book, kind of uh, curtail it to you personally, and then you live it? How do you assimilate it into your life, take something of value from it, 
and live on that and add it to your life and use it for whatever your purpose is. And obviously it's very subjective, it's very personal, but I think the process of that is kind of the way I think about it. Damn, that's beautiful. That is so sick. <laughs> oh, I love that, man. All right, damn. So many insights. And I knew why by us going through this routine, we were going to go like off Tangents, in, in yeah. many different directions. <laughs> Classic. No, I love that way of thinking about it, though. And I'm glad you um, clarified on that and how mm-hmm. you think about it. Because I think when you explain the way that you process and think about it, it just clicks for me and for a lot of people. Um, all right. So back to the morning habits, walking, um, cold showers. I feel like with cold showers, you know, like... Just go look at Wim Hof stuff, everybody. I mean, it's just a great way to uh, cause yourself that you have to adapt to something that's initially uncomfortable, and then you have to just become a part of it. And it's just a great tone setter for the rest of the day. And not to mention, like, the physical responses it gives you, like the dopamine, the natural dopamine rush, and so on. If I can add to that. Yeah. uh, Yeah, it's, I mean, I've not, like... I'm not one of the people like live and die by it. Like if you don't want to take a cold shower in the morning, yeah, it's fine. It's not a deal. Um, I don't think it's a must. I don't think you're going to die if you don't do it. You're not going to reach hundred percent of your life. But I, I think if you it's, do hot it's, showers, you're a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, um, I just think it's a, uh, it's a good example of a habit that serves multiple purposes. So obviously the, the physiological benefits of, you know, uh, heat and cold exposure that's i mean if you're you know most I mean, most people if, that are relatively just even cognizant of, of health and fitness and i feel like it's a very common message maybe that's in our own bubble but people probably know the benefits of saunas and, and cold plunges or co- hot and cold contrast therapy if you don't um dr Rhonda patrick wim hof probably huberman there's some ton of people who talk about it that's that's yeah. not the important part there's a there, there is benefits to both right hot and cold but I think the thing that is interesting about it that you can take from both of them is we already talked about the physiological response. That's the obvious. The thing that I think is maybe even more important is that is how it teaches you to maybe reframe your mind or from a psychological perspective because now every day if I take a cold shower, obviously it's the summer, so in Dallas we get literally we turn the, the shower on and get maybe 10 seconds of like moderately cold water and then it's just like lukewarm for the so whole time trash. it is but in the <laughs> winter we'll be getting it so we'll be we, we'll be eating you know eating our words <laughs> then but um it's just funny because now i really look forward to it because i don't think about it as it's an exercise of reframing because the cold shower it can be very uncomfortable right it can be cold and you're like oh, i don't really want to do it but now that i now when i do it in my routine i'm like oh i look forward to going into the shower turning the cold water on and just having it pour over me and having that initial like regulation of breath and that a little bit of shivering or uncomfortable. And it's just important because I look at it as an opportunity now. I'm like, wow, I know that not even because of overcoming the struggle piece, but because of, I know that it's going to wake me up and I know that the cold, I look forward to the cold because it's going to be so great when, like, yeah. <laughs> when you take a cold shower and you come out of there you feel like a superhero you really a lot do, of times. Yeah. <laughs> so like I, I, even if I, I mean, I, actually, I kind of do enjoy the actual cold part of it, but even if I didn't, it's one of, it's another example in life of like a very, very small sacrifice or short term, um, uncomfortability for something way greater. Because if, if that 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes of cold shower is uncomfortable physically, but it makes you feel way better for your first hour of work after 
then that's a fair trade-off and it's just also like a good thing to practice being uncomfortable because yeah. we're in a society where we're very comfortable with air conditioning, with food delivery, with a lot of amazing technical technological advances and all these things that I would never wish we didn't have. But it's an, it's important to introduce a little bit of discomfort, discomfort in uh, like manufactured adversity and strategic discomfort is as little mm, as a cold shower yeah. is. It's more than nothing. So that's another thing to look at is, is you may not, we may not be able to jump in a, in a Russian lake or we don't yet have a cold plunge at either of our places. Eventually I would love that. But for now we have a cold shower. It's uh, it doesn't cost us anything and it's just a small little thing to do. So I look yeah. forward to do it. And then what else does your morning look like? Um, it, my morning routine, one thing that has changed about it, uh, is so, so for the past, you know, five or six years, I, I maybe briefly mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, how I've just been really really interested in like self-growth, knowledge, personal development, doing all these like lifestyle hacks. And we'll talk some more about that when we get to the nutrition and fitness portion, right? But the reason I bring that up is because for a while I was so obsessed with having a perfect morning routine and doing like literally this laundry list of things in the morning. And I I did that for a while and I still sometimes, and if I, if I didn't hit everything on the list, I'd be like, Oh, like I missed the cold shower Uh, today or going back to bed (laughs) or doing something just like I didn't do my walk or I forgot to read 10 pages or like having this laundry list of things to do every morning. And and after reading the book anti-fragile by, uh, Taleb, it's a good book on this, but it's also the the concept of anti-fragility in life. And if you think about my morning routine, like couple of years ago or just in just in general if I was to live this way where I had a list of numbers one to five every morning I had to do it and if I didn't do it it would throw off my day it would throw off my morning how that's kind of silly because yeah. we know the benefits of having a morning routine for most people because it just kind of sets the tone gets you mentally prepared gets you ready to accomplish your day um, you can get some important stuff done uh, then if you just like sat on your phone and scrolled on Instagram or like had no thought about how to spend your morning, like, uh, so it's beneficial from that perspective, but you also have to be flexible. And I've learned that in a lot of ways in life, which we can talk about more on later too, but adaptability, being flexible and not being so rigid is something I had to balance out because, you know, I, I think there's a, I don't think this is a perfect example of this, what I'm about to talk about, but the Dunning-Kruger effect is this effect in, I don't know where it stemmed from, if it's psychology or exercise or it's just, have you, are you familiar with this? No. Okay. So I'll just briefly sum it up. So the Dunning-Kruger effect, I believe is the name of it. It's this pattern of human behavior. Uh, just look it up on Google. I'm sure their scholars do a better job explaining it than me, but it basically is when you first learn about something, I guess let's take a step back. Before you know something exists, you're completely ignorant. You have no idea that it exists, right? Let's just, let's talk, let's, I'll give an example. Let's think about uh, nutrition. Let's just say you're like, you have no regard for what's healthy, what's unhealthy. You just have eaten your whole life without any regard for the food. And then all of a sudden you think to yourself or you find some information that says, you start learning about nutrition. You start realizing some maybe good choices about food, maybe some more things to shy away from. Uh, you start learning about maybe macros like carbs, fats, proteins. and Fasting. And, Fasting, sure. Uh, that's even a better example. Let's use fasting. Fa- I'll reframe. Three meals a day versus maybe skipping. Yeah, so let's just think about one. that. Let's use fasting as an example. It's, a, it's just perfect. So 
you, you go your whole life from eating, eating, you know, three, four, five meals a day, snacks or whatever. You eat from waking until sleeping. Then you find out about intermittent fasting. And then, so you learn about it and you're interested, right? You try it a couple of months in, you, it's changed your life. You think it's amazing. You've maybe lost some weight. Maybe your skin has been better. Maybe you feel more focused at work in the mornings. Maybe, um, you're just a better, you maybe just feel better from your digestion standpoint. And from your limited couple of months of doing it, you think that fasting is the greatest thing on the planet. And anyone who eats three meals a day or eats breakfast before noon, what are they doing? They're missing out on all of this amazing thing. And some of that's true. I'm not hating on fasting because I've done it a lot in my life and I still utilize it. But the point is, is that you go from no knowledge to thinking, you know, everything. And that's kind of the second Mm, stage. But then the more you learn about a given topic, the more experience you garnish in your life, you like this Dunning-Kruger effect. It's like a it's an X and Y axis. So you start at the very bottom, then you go up a lot, but then you come back down because the, it's the concept that the more you know about something, the more you realize you actually don't know that much. Mm. And this, this is applied in many places in life and in research and academia. And I've learned about this in school. I've learned about this just on my own, but, and then eventually you start to like, as you realize you actually, there's a lot more to learn and you may not have it all figured out. That's when you really become open and start to grow and yes. figure out a lot more and realize that, oh, wow, like fasting is great, but not everyone has to do it. Uh, maybe there's some days that I actually want to eat breakfast and that's okay. And it's not going to ruin my metabolism or not going to ruin my fitness results or like, you're just not as rigid because you realize yeah. that hey, it's not everything. It's, it's a good thing to know. I'm glad I know how to do it. I've glad I learned it, but I'm more open-minded and realize it doesn't have to, wow. everyone on the planet doesn't have to do that. Wow. That's such a great way to talk about it. Cause you're going from <clears throat> being closed minded, not knowing anything about fasting. You learn something about fasting. So you're open-minded to learn that initial thing. You adopt it, but then you're closed minded with that first thing that you adopted. Cause you're not fully past the closed mindedness yet. And then as you continue being more open and you learn more, then you realize, okay, this isn't the one way there's like multiple different layers to approach all of this. And it's just like a limitless openness of learning. That's a good way to think about it. I like that. Um, (laughs) What were we talking about a second ago before we got off topic on the Dunning Kruger effect? Um, Um, I think we were just talking about, it was something, just just Um, routines. We were just just talking about, we just left off like with reading and cold showers. And then we started yeah. Ah, fuck me. <laughs> I really don't remember. That's okay. Neither do I. That's okay. It'll, I'm sure it'll come back. But, um, and then we'll get to re-listen to this and be like, oh, how did we forget? <laughs> yeah, part <right>. two. <laughs> Pick, part two, picking well, up on tangents lost in the first part. <laughs> oh. um, but, um, okay, so I guess, like, the morning routines is really just, like, a key part of just having overall mindfulness and kind of having that reinforcement for the day. So I guess, I don't know, how do we expand on this routines past uh, the morning, if that is the end of your morning right now? Probably. Um, again, I, I, know where, I know where we left off. I remembered it. I started talking about Fuck the yeah. effect because of the rigidity of morning routines. Uh, and yes, I was talking yeah, about yeah, my yeah, past yeah, routines. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I love yeah, it. You're right. Okay. You're right. Yeah. Sorry, listeners. We're back. Okay. <laughs> so me and Reed just had like a little side conversation. It just happened to be recorded. Okay. So... <laughs> 
what I was getting at was that now my morning routine, something I heard from a few people recently, and the more I've learned about morning routines, the more I realized that there are probably just as many super successful people who live and die by morning routines as there are people who believe that they're not all that cracked up to be or, or they they still are successful and they're like, ah, having a morning routine is cool. Sometimes I'll do some things. Other times I won't do some things and it's not a big deal. Yeah. And realizing that now there's a couple of basics like we already talked about that I do most mornings, but I've started to experiment with realizing that, especially when you get good quality restful sleep, I would say within an hour of waking up or, or the starting point of this time range is an hour after I wake up, maybe to like two to three hours after I wake up. So that, that kind of time block. So let's say I wake up at uh, 6.30, the time as I'm like, you know, walking and get, getting prepared for my day, maybe from like, you know, seven to 7.30 doing some reading, you know, I'm kind of building this momentum, gaining clarity at waking up a little bit, of course. And then maybe let's say from eight to 10, I feel clear. I feel like the best I feel all day where I am so focused. I'm driven. I am calm. I'm able to focus on the most important thing of the day first. And whereas in the past, I may have spent that reading more or doing something else. Now I'm thinking about it in terms of, okay, maybe if there's something for work that I need to do, maybe I'll use that time to do it. Or Mm. if there's a, uh, uh, like a, a book that I want to do some note taking on or some summarizing of that's a good time to do it when I'm focused in the morning and fresh. And it's, there's another, the last thing I'll say on this is there's a couple cool, like, uh, people that I've followed over the years. It's not important who they are, but they'll say like, you know, on morning routines, I'd be like, Oh, well some people will, you know, they'll, they'll wake up and they'll spend the first two hours doing like, you know, the shower, the meditation, the stretching, the X, Y, Z, you name yeah. it. But they're like, and that's cool. Sometimes it works for them, but it's also like the devil's advocate side of that that you have to question yourself on is also you could just get to fucking work. Yeah. Excuse my language. You could <laughs> you could just get to work and like do the most important thing. Like if there's something important for work and you're just putting it off until 11 because you have this three-hour morning routine, which I've been guilty of, uh, maybe I should just get to work and do something productive yeah. too. So you have to have that awareness sure. and just balance to not – drag it out. I'm glad you said that because a lot of times on podcasts when people are talking about the routines, they talk about it like they do it every single day, like no question. But I mean, sometimes I get up and I, I just go straight to work and that's fine. feels yeah. natural. Sometimes you it's, feel great at work. Yeah. It's, it's just like flexibility. Again. Yes, exactly. Being flexible with it, but just having like, you know, kind of like, um, you know, just a habitual attitude to things. Like you don't have to say, I'm going to meditate five times a week. You can just say like, Oh, I just naturally tend to meditate like three to five times or something. Yeah. And I've tried that too. Like sometimes there'll be habits that I'll try to implement and I just, I don't stick to them. And then you feel bad about it. You're like, I said I was going to meditate five times or five minutes every morning this week. And I only did it two times. And when in reality, it's an interesting balance because you do want to keep yourself to a high standard and achieve your goals and do what you say you're going to do. But also it's like, you did it two days in the morning. That's better than zero. It's better than you probably did last week, which was zero. So you don't beat yourself up over it. It's it's something. And that's where having that awareness and maybe a balance comes into play. Where, and you also have to realize, again, with the single daily, daily readers versus saying, I'm going to read a chapter this morning, it allows me to build momentum and feel good about my day. Because if I read my one mm-hmm. page in the morning, I technically did my goal or my habit. Whereas... It's a, it takes a lot more can, uh, to read 20 pages in the morning, which 
if I don't do that every day, then I'm like, ah, oh, I screwed up. I didn't hit my goal. So yeah, it's just kind of those mental tricks that you have to play on yourself to kind of get good, like, like get your goals, get your habits, but don't make them so unreachable that, that you can't do it consistently because yeah. sustainability, consistency, it's the key in life. And or at least that's a very, very like strong <laughs> thing to say. Um, it's, it's, it really it's a is, key though. in life, I think. Um, and I guess an example of that is um, a common thing that I've heard from a, a fitness standpoint is that uh, I think it's a good way to think about it. And many people may disagree, and that's okay. But it's the concept that a decent or average workout routine done consistently will always outperform in the long run the best program that exists in the world if done inconsistently. Mm, and yeah. it just, I, I, that's not my quote. That's not my concept. That is from uh, the number one health and fitness podcast uh, on iTunes, uh, Mind Pump, uh, that I'm a firm believer in their, uh, their content just from a lot of ways. But they, they say that a lot in terms of just being consistent. So, And I like what you said. Well, you mentioned uh, like being better than what you were doing previously. You know, like if you're just doing it twice a week or something. I think a lot of times people get... Um, they get inconsistent because they're just focused on themselves being better and themselves being disciplined instead of just seeing the value in the actual process of the habits that they're doing. And like, if you just see the value of how you feel doing them and like what they provide you, then that could be a better way to have more sustainability and consistency because you're not involving so much of like your ego inside of it, like thinking, I need to be better, I need to be more disciplined. No, I think that's I think that's fair, and you know it's important to not get overwhelmed or uh, not setting yourself up for failure in terms of setting these huge lofty goals that are, are just not that achievable for your current reality. It's always important to put your whenever you get motivated, whenever you get inspired to make changes in your life. I think it's very very important to take stock and be honest of where you are in this moment. And you know, let's say for example, you read zero pages a day and you haven't read a book in a year and you all of a sudden get inspired You're like you know what I really want to read these couple books I think the wise approach and the correct approach for sustainability and act and actually getting results would be to say okay I'm gonna set a small goal of five pages a day or uh, something just similar something simple right because when you're in that motivated state, it's very easy to say, oh, I'm going to, I can't wait to read a chapter, which is, let's just say 20 pages every single day. Cause I want to yeah. finish this book, but you're coming at that from a mindset of inspiration and motivation. But what happens when, let's say you do it every day for a week and let's say the next Monday comes on, a, on week number two and you you wake up and you're like, you know what? I, I don't really <laughs> want to read 20 pages. It's like really daunting. <laughs> yeah. And then you fail your habit for the day. So it's important. You to don't do your, it again. For yeah, like exactly. <laughs> you don't do it again for a year. Whereas if you just do five pages, a little bit of action, and then slowly build yourself up. Once you do five pages, it'd probably be easy to go to seven, easy to go to 10. But going from zero to 10 is a lot harder because it, it's, a, it's a further reality or it's, it's a further ideal away from your current reality than yeah. is a five pages. Because you have to warm yourself up to liking the process instead of just the idea of being that guy who's like, yes. oh, I read a book every single month. Like, yes. I'm just that guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, fuck, wait, I was... Oh, uh, to go off of this, um, what do you think about the concept of working and acting in sprints and then having off periods? Because that is like its own version of consistency. 
in itself. Yeah, that is that's something I've thought about a little bit recently. I, I still don't think I do that that well. Our, our good friend Andre is a huge proponent of that. A very he does it very well. And our and from what it comes we know, very natural to him. It comes as very well. natural. Um, I think it has tremendous value though. And the concept for people listening, if they're not familiar, it's just like instead of trying to do. Uh, like, you know, fitness and reading and a side project and a blog and uh, maybe taking cooking classes all you know, and you're trying to balance that out for over the next two months or three months and do a little bit each week to kind of slowly build on all of them. The concept that some people argue for is to say, let's pick one of them or maybe two of them and go really hard and really deep on them for a quicker period of time. So you just take any activity or goal you have and you turn it from a marathon into a sprint. And it's just for, I think it helps probably from an action consistency and just kind of diving deep perspective in terms of getting what you want out of it. Again, I, I don't, I'm still kind of, I've really started to think about that the past like year just from Andre kind of telling us about it and how he applies it. I, I don't necessarily do it that well myself. I mean, I have to admit, um, I've been thinking about it more and how important it actually is but I still find myself more in the kind of the balanced approach of trying to do, and that's one of my things that I try to figure out all the time is I have so many avenues and so many things in life that I want to improve on and do, but obviously having all of these priorities, quote unquote, means you really don't have a, a real priority, right? Because if you have a laundry list, Tim Ferriss said this in a podcast I listened to the other day. He was like, you know, if I have a laundry list of, you know, 10 things to do in a day that are all priorities, it's pretty good chance probably nothing's getting done you know <laughs> yeah. it's just it's just one of those con it's just one of those truths in life i feel like that most people can relate to is that if you write down you're going to do these five things tomorrow and you know maybe your mind is scattered and you don't really have the focus and drive to do the most important thing that you actually need to do tomorrow well so you talk about so many different avenues of life that you want to improve on and i think that's a good way just to talk about your overall thoughts around how you kind of categorize and organize many different areas of your, I guess, life portfolio, if you will. Um, I don't know. Could you just maybe expand upon that a little more? Yeah, I, I would love to. So let me actually ask you a question. Whenever you and Andre, I think you guys are the ones who kind of mentioned that to me is like one of the things you see about me is my, I guess it's kind of the habits, the, the dedication to order and the way that I kind of talk about a portfolio of, of life, maybe just for the listeners or, and just for me, like what exactly do you see that makes you say that? Or what is an example yeah. of that? Cause well, I think I know what you mean, but I'm just curious to see what other, like the outside perspective is so that I can maybe answer it. Well, better. I think before I met you, I was just, and maybe this is, um, an indication of just where I was at in life and stuff. Kind of like, you know, being fresh out of college or still in grad school, maybe I was, but whenever I would think about life, I wouldn't, I didn't have, I didn't, I wouldn't like separate different things. Like, okay, this is my nutrition. This is my mindfulness. This is my fitness. This is my relationship portion of my life. This is my career portion of my life. This is my like, you know, financial well-being portion of my life. I didn't think about all those different areas and I didn't think about growing in each individual one in uh -huh. a balanced way until I sort of saw the way that you thought about all those things. So I guess that's really what I mean is just being able to understand the different categories of your life portfolio, understand the multiple layers, limitless amounts of layers that that involves, and then establishing a balance within each one. 
So maybe maybe I explained a little bit how you think about it there just no, by observing beautiful. you. But it's it's uh, yeah. So I think it's important for people because it just gives you so much more insight and self-direction into how like life is going and you can attribute so many different types of meaning in all of those buckets. It's like a investment portfolio. You're not going to throw all your investments inside of one stock. You're going to have multiple different. So it's like you're the way you invest your meaning across life. Right. Um, I have two comments on that before I actually get into answering it. I guess the first is I think I definitely see what you're talking about. It's mushroom I, coffee. Yeah, it's, much, yeah, it's good. It's really good. Um, <laughs> I feel great, man. So clear. Um, but I, I guess part of the way that I think about it in terms of that portfolio, I think it's been expanded for because for so long, it, before I really became good friends with you know with you and some of our other dear friends uh, like Andre, like Vlad, like Mickey, um, the past. Let's just use COVID as a break. Like before COVID and after COVID, after COVID, our relationships have all grown to an unfathomably deep level that is only going to get exponentially deeper over the course of our lives because we find so much value there. But not to get off topic. So, <laughs> so before then, I, I you know I always had fitness. I always had reading. Or let's just all, I'm saying always. Let's just say post college for me, um, which was I graduated in 2017, undergrad. So. Um, I guess since from that time until COVID for a few years, it was all, you know, fitness knowledge and biohacking. And I was really interested in just like that portion of life, just fitness and like learning about knowledge and health. But then over the past few years, I've, I've expanded my, uh, the categories of life to include career to include, which, which funny enough, the first couple of years of work fresh out of college, I'm at the same job. I've been happily at the, the same company for four years and you know how much I, I love it and value the what we the relationship I have and the, the I guess the abilities and affordabilities that that job gives me in life. Yeah. But um, and just the flexibility and the, the purpose too. But the first couple of years of work I just kinda treated it as work. But now I treat it as a career. And I think obviously it's just a word difference, but to me it means a lot and I've we've talked about how the differences are and how we view that. And we can get into that later. But I started thinking about career. I started thinking about family naturally now that I'm getting a little bit older and also have Christina to, you know, look forward to viewing life with going forward and seeing you and Alexis and your guys relationship and how it's something fulfilling. And I want to grow into something like that. And I'm excited for that portion of life. So family, I've been thinking about more, um, naturally as we get older, we start thinking of finances. Um, with that comes for me, another avenue is real estate. Um, I'm trying to, th- and maybe yoga, but yoga is in fitness, I guess. Um, mindfulness, fitness. My, yeah. yeah there, I guess there's kind of broad categories, but like you play hockey too. I think like just the way you kind of still pursue athletics on some level is yeah. cool. Yeah, of course. Uh, I, I grew up playing hockey my whole life and it was, it, it literally was my life for, from probably when I was like six to six to high school. Really. I mean, it was just, I loved it. It was just my passion. It was the lived and Dang. breathed it. You were, know, you, it was just, were you like really fucking good? I, then? I definitely peaked early. Unfortunately. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, I peaked probably when I was probably like nine, maybe nine through 12, um, I was, I, I definitely, at least I identify myself as being the best version of myself from a hockey standpoint when I was a lot younger. Really? Um, I think I peaked extremely early relative to some peers and also, uh. and, and people either just caught up. And I also just, I've thought about this a lot since college cause I was a little bit, um, 
not depressed, of course, but just kind of like sad about having to like stop playing super competitively and just go to college and just play club hockey, which is just like, uh, like you know, kind of on the side. It's kind of like you're joining a club, like any club yeah, in college. It's, it's not. I'm not going to play D1 and getting you know going to the like, pursuing the NFL it at a high level. Yeah, yeah, no, that that ended uh, high school, but um, where was I going with that? Yeah, I, I think it's just being able to still do something that you love to do in finding it in a different part of your life and realizing yes. a different value in it is it's very beautiful because uh, for a while you know growing up it was like all I knew and I was just I loved playing hockey because I was good at it I was passionate about it and now it's more of a I can still kind of give myself a little dose of it each week and really appreciate what it's done for me in my life and I don't think I would have won it any differently because even if I was able to go on and play competitively and be at the highest levels possible, I don't think I would trade that for the life I've been building since then. Cause Dude, it's yes. just, I just, I don't know. I just love where Dude. things are at. And, and, but it's important to realize, I guess that like, to not let the fact of hockey like break me and or like ruin me because I identify like that's who I was for so many years of life. It like now if someone asks me like what I do, I don't say I'm not the first thing I say isn't like oh I'm a hockey player. It is one small component that I love of a much broader range of interests in life. Dude, yes, and I'm glad that you touched on that with your hockey example because I used to have the mentality of why would I play a sport unless I'm going to be pro in it? Like why would I dedicate all this time like the meaning is to be at a professional level that you can showcase to people to be specialized you know and excel in that specialization that can be like a very big term with people's career capital to be specialized and like one dimensional and just be the best but uh, you put all your eggs in one basket and there's so many other layers to life and meaning than that and you can get so much fulfillment out of playing hockey even though it's not at the highest level you can still like you know, you're like still playing challenging games with people and um, just like hockey matches and like you're connecting with people through those games and just through the sport and you get to move your body and you get to enjoy the sport itself. So there's just so much um, value that comes from it aside from having to showcase some, you know, professional level. Yeah, very nostalgic too. And uh, it's just, it's, it's a fun thing to keep exploring. Um, I guess in addition to that, um, I guess part of the way that I think about this portfolio of life as you describe it, I think it stems from the same concept of like my kind of OCD tendencies, my rigidity in terms of routines and my appreciation for structure and life and order. And I think it all kind of relates and again, how my mind thinks about pretty much anything. Like it's just how I just, it's the way I process and build an architecture to digest my world and live in it. It's very yeah. interesting to think about and people may think that's weird or like crazy, but I also, I think it's weird that people don't think like me, of course, everything's weird that's, or everything's foreign that's like not you essentially, right? I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> yeah. everyone's so unique, but um, yeah, I just love thinking about life that way because it allows you to categorize things and areas you want to improve upon and it's also just, my passion has grown in a lot of areas and we just got off on another tangent, but to bring it back, what I was about to mention before I answered the question was when I met you guys on the whole like pre post COVID deepening of our relationship thing. So post I talked about some of the new things that I've been into the last couple of years in, in terms of growing into. And I think a little bit of that comes from seeing some of our friends, including you in terms of their artistic expression and creation. And I never really had that. And I, I still don't necessarily have that as much. I mean, I've kind of considered yoga to be a little bit of that. Um, nice. I've 
kind of been inspired by you guys and like softly been working for like a year or two, like very, very minimally on like the whole, this whole newsletter concept that it, it emanates from a passion and a pure place. I just haven't really put the effort in yeah. to realize it yet. I'm curious what um, that's about and like, I guess on how it. these notes have been going and stuff. We can touch on it. Um, but I'll, we can touch on that in a second. But, but I'll just the reason I bring that up is yeah, like the artistic expression piece and doing things other than just like sports or careers is something. I guess having a side hustle, having hobbies, having interests is something I learned from watching you, Andre, Vlad, and Mickey specifically because we all have a lot of things we're passionate about. We all have a career. We all have some sort of side hustle, hobby, passion. Like if you think about it, we all kind of have a way, a diversification of portfolio of life. Yeah, we all have exactly. things that we're interested in that are different. Like uh, like our friend Andre, I always bring him up. He's just one of my favorite human beings. I love, <laughs> love the kid to death. I've learned a lot of the stuff that we were talking about in this podcast right now is it comes from his uh, inspiration, his thought process. The way he thinks is incredibly unique and beautiful. It and he's cool. a very, very amazing human being. Probably one of the top five I've met in life. Probably. <laughs> so um, love you, Andre. I love you, brother. Um, <laughs> even though you just moved to Denver. Um, but, uh, God damn it. No, <laughs> but yeah, I think that's a lot just of Just an topic. excuse for more ski yeah. trips. Yeah, Let's exactly. Go. Oh, we need to talk That's about, a whole other section. Skiing. That's yeah. a whole section of life. Maybe we can weave that in after the portfolio piece because I think it uh, actually kind of relates to like passion and pursuing and also beside hustles and careers. So mm -hmm. I'll, I'll close that loop. So, but yeah, I see a lot of the artistic expression from you guys. Like Andre... Um, he's, he's been a musician. Uh, he is a musician and he's also, he's also really interested in a lot of other amazing side hustles and he does these projects on the side where he'll be super invested in coding for two months and he goes all out or he'll be super focused on like, he, uh, he's an architect as, as by, by trade and you know, he, he took an exam that most people take, you know, whatever, six months or a year to study for and prepare it. He it's two years, yeah. Two years? Yeah. Okay. He took a two year process and he used a Derek Sivers methodology and quote, which is, uh, the standard pace is for chumps. So that's what Derek Sivers says. Cause he learned that in his own life from a, a, a teacher about how the Again, working in sprints versus marathons. And Andre applied that to his architect exam where he did it in what, like three months and he passed all the exams and just like grinded. And yeah, that's, he just, pretty, that's really impressive. Yeah, it's crazy. But that's he took that action or took that thought and put it into action rather. So I see a lot of this stuff from our, in our friends and it's a, having a close inner circle of people that you can bounce off of, that respect you, that you, that you agree on high level values and appreciation and certain concepts and values in life with, mm. but then also being different and to see where you yeah. can garnish express it in different ways. Yeah. Expressing life values. differently. That's why I'm ever grateful for you and this podcast and some of our close friends. It's just a, it's something that is like, I just can't even describe how how valuable it's been for the past few years, and it makes me realize like if it's been like this right now, like can't even imagine going forward. So, dude, yeah, that's why um, it's important to like um, have a nice uh, group of friends or just people who challenge you also. Yeah, because for sure, you could think that you're like this open-minded person, but when you're doing it on your own, very quickly you start getting ignorant, you start getting closed-minded, and you don't even realize it. Yeah, very true. Um, I guess closing off the diversification piece and the reason I brought up our friends, like, yeah, I guess there's the career. We always, I touched on that about that being a new area, but yeah, it's just the concept of like breaking your life or identifying different areas of your life that you like and that you want to grow in or 
just different components, right? Like of a life and how to build and grow and all of those. So yes. I just, and I think, yeah, I think you can look at it. Or that's the way I look at it at least. Oh no, um, yeah. And that's beautiful. I guess to build upon the life portfolio, I do like having sort of a travel portfolio throughout the year and places that you can consistently go to. And obviously skiing is just like a huge part of that. It is um, traveling, seeing the world, going to cool places. I also just love being in nature and the mountains and being out there, the fresh air, the higher altitude, the colder, crisp air, the less people. Being just being surrounded by the mountains and trees and nature. There's, there's something very therapeutic about it. Obviously, there's a, you know, what is it? Jap- Japanese people for years or centuries have done the like the forest bathing. I believe is where it came from. There's, What's that? It, I think it's just the concept of like going into a forest and just like being in nature and like getting uh, some value out of it. I don't know yeah. much detail, but it's kind of like that. And like just just nice. getting away from the city, getting away from life, and going into nature and appreciating it for its magna magnanimity. Is that a word? I think it's a mm. word. Um, but just I mean, transcendentalism talks. It's a good way to center. That. Um, yeah, it's a great way to re- re- be reminded of how little we are and how beautiful this world is. And what matters, I guess. And to kind of remind yourself, it's like this weird um, line between everything matters, but it also doesn't matter yeah, at the same time. So um, it's nice to be able to find that balance in between that. And nature is also very awe-inspiring. It's, it's one of the few things in life that from a uh, from like a biological and primal humanistic perspective – really like takes us back to our roots as uh, just just cavemen and just as, as creatures and, and animals, right? Because nature's always been there, you know, maybe cities and houses and et cetera haven't always been there, but like going out and seeing something beautiful with your eyes that is just a mountain or like something way bigger than anything we've seen or like anything in our day-to-day lives, it, it just is awe-inspiring. It, it's very, allows us to take perspective and like appreciate and be grateful for things and I think that's one of the biggest things about nature. And then uh, it's just it's a way to just kind of get out of your own head and get out of your own space, like you said, and just realize the the grandiosity of life and all these things that we live in. Yeah. So, um, trying to think how we can weave the skiing. I guess the, the skiing can be weaved into this conversation, uh, not only because it's a it is one of those categories of life. It's a true passion of mine that I've been developing the past four years, and it it really relates. So the, the skiing, in a way, in my mind, it really has threads that are attached to real estate, to career, to travel, uh. to a, a little bit of like really high-level personal growth and like like being in nature in a way and, and realizing a lot of dreams and getting a lot of value from that. Interesting. Um, it's crazy how skiing can have all those meanings attached to it. The real estate especially, because I guess it's that extra kind of drive to get some property on a well, ski. Well, yeah, the, the real estate ties with it because, I mean, it's it's a way to facilitate more skiing in my life eventually. And, I mean, I love real estate. I love skiing. And both of the two, it, it can work together. And that's just one of the areas where interests align in my life. Um but yeah, skiing, I, I think Vlad talked about on his podcast a good bit because I guess just to give a quick recap or just a quick summary of skiing for me and why I love it is playing hockey my whole life, never skied, never went to the mountains for a, a, a ski trip or anything growing up. Um, I started skiing in about 20, I think 2017 maybe, I, the first time I ever went and uh, I picked it up really? relatively naturally. 2017? Yeah, it was pretty new. Wow. Um, I picked for it up. For some reason I thought you were like a kid, always no, kind of grew no, up no, with no. it and stuff. No, no, wow. no. Um, it just, but it came supernatural from from hockey because as most people like you know if you grew up wakeboarding and surfing 
and skateboarding. Snowboarding is kind of the more natural choice, obviously, because of the orientation of your feet and your stance, etc. Yeah. But it, hockey is a phenomenal translation to skiing. It, it just literally the only difference is that like you don't do it like this. Like in, in hockey and skating, you have like a stride, right, where you're always on one foot and you're doing a like a push and a lunge and a like a kickback. You're doing a stride, right? That's how you get through the ice. Whereas skiing, obviously the, the quote-unquote skates, which are just your skis, they're a lot longer. So the physics and like the, I guess, dynamics change a little bit of how you interact with the, the snow instead of the ice. But it's the way you use your hips is very similar and like, it's just, it's just very similar, I guess, the way to think about yeah. it. Um, so I picked it up pretty naturally and just started going on more skiing trips and have absolutely fallen in love with it. Um, if I had to choose right now, someone's like, you have to choose for the rest of your life, like skiing or weightlifting or skiing or hockey or uh, skiing or yoga. I don't want to go there. That's too hard. But uh, <laughs> if, it was, if it was like skiing over almost any physical pursuit or like anything that I love in life, I feel like I'd have a hard time passing up the skiing, <laughs> yeah. but for so many reasons that I can't even describe here, it's just so passionate about it, but um, I just love it. It's so fun. It's so challenging. You're in nature doing a relatively extreme sport by most considerations, and and you can take it to however extreme you want it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's and it's just so fun and so beautiful. And I love the cold. I love the snow. I just love everything about it. I love the friendships on the mountain that you build with your close yeah. friends. Like, there's nothing like being at the top of a run and looking to your buddies and just having a. The, the, I think one of the things that I relate to when I go on these ski trips is, I realize that I'm happy. I'm stress free. I am. I'm a kid. I'm. I'm pure. Yeah. Like I feel. Like the smile that I get on my face, it's so pure. Everything about it, it just feels right in life. And obviously that's because it's enjoyable, it's fun. There's not modern day stressors and I'm not suggesting that we could ski every day for our lives and be fulfilled. I just mean it's when when we're doing it or when I do it, it's just, it's on another planet in terms of how connected. Yeah. And I, I feel more present while I'm skiing than probably anything else in my life. Well, Maybe like, yoga is tied with that because yoga requires presence but yoga is just such a staple. It is such but, a staple. But skiing, it one of the I guess to take it from like a why I enjoy it from like hitting jumps and going through trees and going fast, like from all the fun stuff. I think one of the biggest takeaways from skiing, and maybe Vlad mentioned this, is it requires presence and it requires yeah. you to focus because if you don't, you're gonna fall or you're gonna hit a tree or you're you're just and even like, but it's not even like I have to focus. It's being up there because of the nature, the mountains, the trees, the cold air, everything about it's it, it's a naturally freeing focus that I am just, yes. nothing in the world matters when you're 10,000 feet above elevation and you're on a mountain because like, even when down. I think about it <laughs> this way, like if you're playing basketball, or I'm playing hockey, like I'm just in, in civilization, I'm in town, like you can step out off the rink or the court and you're just like back in your normal life. But when you're on the mountain, like you're just surrounded by nature and the only other people there are people doing what you're doing, but you're just in nature. You're free. You're like on a mountain and you're just skiing down it. Like yeah. it's just a different environment that it's just, you don't really get that type of free open space where you can see for miles and miles and be so high up because you're never going to be that high up unless you uh, go to other skiing places or you do like hiking. I mean, you hike tall mountains. Like it's the most, it's the closest to God also, interestingly enough, if we want to take it that way. Ooh, but interesting. it's just, yeah, it's very, I don't know, it's very freeing. Well, so. And it's a way to consolidate all those meanings you were talking about into one 
place and you have to lose yourself. So you're, you get all the meanings and it's like the concept of positive constraints that we were talking about earlier. You mm-hmm. consolidate all this meaning into this action in this place and you're losing yourself in it. So of course it's just going to be a, such a fulfilling experience the whole trip. <laughs> yeah. It's just a whole heck of a lot of fun <laughs> yeah. too is part yeah, of the reason too. I love it so much. It's just like, it's, just it's, it's, fun. it's exhilarating. <laughs> it is. Whew. Thinking what? about it now. We're like six months to go. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Oh, I want it to happen. So bad. I know. Um, but what about with yoga? What kind of value has that um, brought into your life? Cause uh, man, and I, I know Georgette's probably just like a big uh, part of this cause she's such a one of a kind instructor. But um, I guess like to, just to talk about on the art of yoga, the physical aspect of yoga, the restoration, mindfulness. Yoga serves a couple of amazing purposes and values in my life. Uh, I've been doing it, I would say, you know, two to three times a week, every week for probably maybe about three, four years now. Um, I just, I just, it's a staple also. It's just, it's, I am a yoga student. I, it's something I do. Like I lift weights. I do yoga. I read. It's just a part of who I am. It's it's not. I don't have to struggle to get the motivation to go to yoga this week. It's just it's just something that I've I do right. Very very simply. Um, couple values out of it. High level. From a physical standpoint, I have found it to be a damn near perfect complement to weightlifting. And I because I've always mm, I've you yeah. know I've been lifting weights since. Um, maybe, maybe I was like 15 or so started and like, uh, yoga, the, since I've started it, it balances out and complements lifting weights very well, at least in my opinion. Um, it also, cause it, it, it it's great because getting kind of technical, it's great for your balance. It is fantastic for discovering left to right or front to back imbalances in your body. So maybe you have really strong quads and glutes, but your hamstrings are weak, or you have really strong shoulders, triceps, Those chest, hips. But, your, but your hips. back is weak. Yeah, hips. The hip, the hip stability, hip mobility, flexibility, range of motion. Um, it, so it allows you to again see imbalances in your body and try and correct them. It. Uh, it shows you how to isometrically contract any muscle in your body and breathe through it and, and use your muscles to your advantage and control every movement with a precise accuracy and intention and focus. So it, it, from a muscle standpoint, it's, it's just great because the mind-muscle connection, like I, I don't really train much of isometrics in the weight room, but I believe I get a little bit of that in yoga because you're just always flexing, straining, but you're breathing through all of these poses, postures, mm. stretches, and, and just it's an amazing thing for that perspective. Damn. Um, the list goes on from physical. Uh, from a, it's one of the best things ever to connect you to your breath that I've found, and it, it makes you aware of your breath, and it gives you the power, or it shows you how powerful your breath can be, and if you can control your breath, you can control your life and control your regulate your emotions, your thoughts. Um, your actions, your physical body, like your blood pressure, everything. If you can breathe through something, you can get through something. And yoga just teaches you the the power of breath in your entire life. And most people probably just breathe and they're not really aware of it because it is an involuntary human function. Obviously, like an involuntary meaning like we don't have to think about breathing to breathe. Our body just does it. But you, you, the cool thing is we can make it intentional and think about it and breathe in a... Um, a certain pattern of breath or box breathing or 
like you can control it, but you don't have to. So it just makes you aware of your breath is is super powerful. Um, another, I'm trying to think. I also love it just for the cardio because it's it's fantastic for getting your body moving, sweating, and really connecting your whole body together in in one beautiful place. So I guess physical that touches on most of those. Um, and then like from a spiritual, maybe like growth, personal focus standpoint. Again, it requires tremendous amounts of focus because if, if not, your breath is going to be off, you're going to fall out of a pose. And I mean, it's also one of those things that I just, when you're doing yoga, you just kind of have to be present. I mean, maybe you can think about other things, but then you're not really in it. And it's hard to not be present in it because of the way the class is structured. It's yeah. like a dance. Yeah. It is very sequential. It is beautiful the way you can move your body in the class. And just connecting to all these different moves, you have to be intentional and mindful of it. And again, like present and focused. So I think it's valuable for that. Um, and then obviously, like most people, you know, think about yoga in terms of like really yin and really um, go with the flow and all of these chakras and all of these like, you know, let it go or breathe type of uh, mantras. And I think those have value too. I mean, the, the, it just teaches you some things, especially if you have good teachers and they give you uh, and they say wise words before class, during class, after yeah. class. Um, you just hear some good messages about growth. And yoga is the type of environment that I think maybe yoga is an example of where sometimes people may be fearful to go to the gym because they don't want to go lift or they don't want to go look like they don't know what they're doing with all these big guys or people who are super fit, which also is a false belief. People in the gym, if you go to a good gym, are some of the most uh, nice, helpful, personal growth oriented people I've found anywhere in life. But that's another discussion. But oh, yeah. yoga also is similar to that. Most people that I've found who do yoga, they tend to be more open-minded. They tend to realize the benefits of stress release and balancing yin and yang in life. And they just seem to be pretty positive people. And I think yoga somewhat attracts that. Like a lot of things attract certain natural people. And I think yoga just, the people who do it are great. And if you're, you know, don't be afraid to go to yoga class because you don't know what you're doing. Um, I mean, it just, you learn very quickly because it's, they're all movements that your body can do. It's just that we haven't done them so long and we don't practice them daily that they feel so foreign. But you, you mm, really yeah. develop quick change in yoga from my experience, um, just in terms of being able to stretch more, do poses. Um, but yeah, I think there's just a lot of benefits from yoga. So. Yeah. And I think the way that Georgette leads her classes and specifically, I mean, I haven't experienced a flow like what hers are because... Hers are very artistic in nature. Like everyone's moving. I don't know. Just the way she um, instructs us to move our bodies. It's like what? What was she saying today? It's like you're moving everything at the same time, or something. Yeah, you have to be connected all at the same time. Georgette yeah. is. Uh, she's a fantastic yoga teacher. Fantastic human being. Fantastic mother. From what I've heard, she's just a fantastic person. Uh, she's been the one of my basically my main yoga teacher. Um, for the past couple of years and she's just a wonderful human being some of our our friends can attest to that as well but yeah she just she has a lot of experience and she just leads really good classes and both from a physical standpoint but also um she makes you aware of certain things like instead of just doing a bunch of abs and going through a classic um you know sun salutation a and b and being very basic with yoga she puts her own spin on things and she's very creative and her classes are unlike, like you go to a yoga class anywhere in the country and chances are you can maybe have a decent degree of accuracy in terms of how the class may go, what extra, what poses you may do, 
uh, just kind of the, like you have a general idea of what yoga is and Georgette kind of breaks the mold on that a lot. She does do obviously a lot of basic poses like warrior twos, warrior ones, downward dogs. We do a lot of quality stuff, but she also does a lot of poses that either she's the only one I, I see who does them or because a lot of them aren't really traditional poses. Like she combines mobility, body flow movement also with standard yoga. So you're not just doing you know, sun, sun A's and sun B's for an hour, you're doing a lot of, you're expressing your body and stretching your body and uh, tightening and strengthening your body and all of these very different aspects of movement. She just weaves them all really well together because she has the experience to know how to do it. So can definitely second that. Wow, man. Um, the way you're selling skiing and yoga is way more effective than Vlad's episode for sure. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think as I think Vlad was talking about how it's cool to see Vlad because he moved there a couple of years ago and uh, he, he was kind of discouraged. Not discouraged, but he wanted to get better. He spent a whole season focusing on, you know, how much he wanted to improve and get better. And now Vlad's a damn good skier. I, I love skiing with Vlad. He's such a beauty of a human and he's even a more beauty of a skier. Um, <laughs> he's so good. But uh, it's it, I think Vlad, I think... What were some of the things that he talked about in terms of why he loves it so much? Was it the presence and like the the skill acquisition yeah, process? It was what you were saying, but it was also just being able to move his body better cuz yes, he's that. so like naturally kind of like tall and bigger and like heavy legs and not uh, naturally flexible. I think that was and yoga too. Yes, yeah, um, for sure. a part of that as well. And just like challenging yourself to do something that you're not initially good at which a lot of people can relate to skiing because it's so weird because it's that thing in life to where you're not having fun until you're actually like kind of good at it <laughs> so you kind of have to get over that hump in order to just to get there mm-hmm. yeah that's fair wow this whole uh routine kickoff question has definitely blossomed into different facets of taking us to a, yeah we've been on quite the journey, the journey. um yeah. but i guess a good way to wrap up kind of the routine segment is talking about nutrition and just how important nutrition is. And honestly, man, I just want an update on what your diet looks like right now, what your eating habits look like right now. It's really important. I prioritize it in life. It's probably like one of my top five joys of life, honestly, just like eating good food, knowing how to eat. Cause like, God, dude, I feel like now I don't eat because things taste good. It's like they taste good because I understand the nutritional value of them and my body just intuitively feels like I crave it from a nutritional standpoint and I feel it really nicely as opposed to just craving, you know, like, I don't know, some cheap sugar or something like that. Yeah, I I agree. I definitely understand that concept, um, what you're talking about. I I think nutrition is one of those things where I've been – like, I, I think I mentioned that like before I met you guys a lot and before COVID, like that was one of my main focuses was like fitness, biohacking, nutrition, supplements, all, all of this crazy stuff like that. And like going really deep into the weeds on it. And both with fitness and nutrition over the past couple of years, like it definitely has evolved as I've added these other areas to my portfolio of life. As you say, um, that means I've had to be a little bit less focused or less I guess a little bit more shallow in terms of fitness and nutrition investment and uh, energy expenditure from my my mental capacity. So 
or maybe is before it used to be like I'd always think about it and I'd always be trying new things and hacking it. Now it's maybe more of an 80-20 principle in play where I get most of the good results out of it by doing a lot less work than going than getting that incremental marginal gain, but having to strain a lot to get it. So So wait, are you saying you do less experimenting now and less trial and error now? Or like you kinda know what will make you feel a certain way, so you kinda just go off of that? I guess I've I still love fitness and nutrition, but I think because I've been doing it for going on a decade, you know, ish now, and I just, it's at a time now where I want to more heavily invest and learn on newer things that I'm not as good on. Whereas fitness and nutrition, at least for me personally, I've kind of, at least from like my twenties or at least this point in my life, I feel like I've kind of hacked it for myself and figured it out. And I'm sure that's going to change tremendously, even maybe in the next year or two years and each decade will look different from a fitness and nutrition standpoint but at least for now in life I've got I have a fantastic baseline in my opinion for what it is in my life and how to achieve consistent results with pretty much no effort because it's just part of who I am so I'm not really I guess right now I'm not like straining super hard on either of those they're just kind of natural standards that I hold in my life um so I guess from a nutrition standpoint um you know I've gone through a bunch of different experiments and phases with that but I mean right now right now I'm actually my normal go-to default type of protocol or what a day in my life looks like of like a normal average day of eating this isn't how it currently is but this is like more often than not um, I'll spend probably at least half of any given year like the following so I kind of keep my diet relatively simple in terms of I, I don't do a huge number variety of foods most of the time I, I kind of stick to a list of like 10 high value things that I just consume relatively consistently and so when I'm on what I'm talking about it usually looks like uh, ground beef grass-fed grass-finished of course gr- ground beef or meats in general um, salmon eggs avocados Olive oil, as you know, it's, is olive oil is life for me. I just love olive oil. So uh, maybe some sort of nut, like a walnut, a macadamia. Wait, is this like meal one, or are you just saying these all are together? these are the okay. so these are the foods like Got it. that okay, I cool. value, high value, right? So Sweet. beef, avocado, egg, salmon, olive oil, uh, maybe some sort of walnut or macadamia or Brazil nut, maybe a blueberry, blackberry, raspberry. Maybe a carrot. I love bone broth. Um, oh yeah. I love. What else do I love? That's that's. I guess that's probably most of what I consume. Like generally speaking, right now I'm eating a lot less along those. Oh, rice, of course, white rice with the beef. That's a classic. Um, oh yeah. But right now it's it's a little source. bit. I'm experimenting actually a little bit, trying to figure some new things out. Like I've kind of cut back the rice and done some more like Ezekiel bread and. Um, mm. cut back as much of the meat and rice because like one of my staple meals in life that I, I, I just think tastes more delicious than anything I've ever had in my life is self-made ground beef, rice, avocado, and olive oil. I could eat that to the day I die. <laughs> Maybe some mushrooms. I love mushrooms too, but um, mm, yeah. just, it, I, like I just love that. It's a foundational staple meal for me when I am eating along this like 10 quote-unquote list of foods that I outlined. That's a go-to meal nice. for me. 
Um, so those 10 foods are kind of like um, a good indication of kind of the baseline of like key food groups that yes, you emphasize of what on. I value. And then yeah. obviously like as day goes on, maybe you'll like, you know, have, you know, an addition to that or Manuka honey. Can't forget that. Uh, That's a good yeah, one too. Nice. Um, and dark honey, chocolate, of course. Good. Can't forget dark uh, yeah, chocolate. Yeah, dark so nice. those are just some things I value um, a lot of really. Uh, but yeah, recently I've been eating a little bit more fruits, like maybe some nectarines, maybe some berries, maybe a little Greek yogurt I've been experimenting with. Um, go ahead. I was going to say, so how do you come to identifying these foods as a part of your diet? Do you kind of lead with research and you see what that says, so then you try it out? Or do you kind of like whenever you're eating, you think to yourself, oh, how did this food make me feel? What would this food make me feel like? And then you kind of trial and error that way. And then it just naturally evolves over time. I don't know. What's like your your method? Great question. Um, this is another good example of the maybe like the heavy heavy research, heavy knowledge consuming, and transitioning that into action and life and lifestyle that we talked about way earlier in this podcast. So, I, like I mentioned, for years I was I read so many nutrition health books, listened to infinite podcasts, and like all these super super deep dives on like anything you could imagine in terms of trying to find the ideal diet, like, like do's and don'ts, like what's optimizing, what's not all this crazy stuff. Um, it's really, I was really interested in it. And, but I think now that I've done a lot of the research, um, or just for my own life, I just, I have these high level, like identities of most of the foods that I just mentioned that like list of 15 or so is what I personally believe. I mean, maybe you include a broccoli in there too, or something like that, but those foods are, are probably the most valuable foods that I think, most humans should consume, or at least for myself speaking. Um, I just I just love those foods that I mentioned, and I identify a lot of value in them. Um, I just I think they're fantastic for so many reasons. But uh, I guess it's also a lot of the way I've approached nutrition is how does it make me feel from a digestion standpoint, yeah. from an energy standpoint, um, like just trying to testing enough and, and being intentional and thinking about nutrition and how it makes you feel. I've been doing it for so long that now it's to the point where it's like, what, how does, how, like, what makes me feel best for any given moment? I'm always trying to figure that out because ultimately how, like the food you eat becomes who you are essentially in a very simplistic way of thinking about it. Um, you are what you eat literally as, as they say, literally, it's, you know, like mentally, it becomes physically. you becomes you a lot of ways um so it's, it's also a reflection of like where you're at in life the type of person you are because um you know like the way you eat is an expression of yourself yeah it, it definitely it, it really is um yeah I, mean, I just love eating i mean some people call it healthy but i just i just love eating whole natural foods that are single ingredient most of the time in nature and just like basic things like i mentioned like i just love it um it just it tastes so good. I feel so good, and I do get a massive joy out of like thinking about those ten foods right now. I'm just happy in my like I'm lighting up inside because yeah. I'm just thinking about the different colors and like the quality of all of those, and I've attached such meaning to them that I just I just love them, you know. And it's nice because um, it could be really easy to get caught up into like what's that superfood? Oh, there's a new superfood, or oh, there's a new diet on the market or something. But it's really doesn't have to be that complicated. It's like, like keto carbs will kill you <laughs> or like, yeah, right. or the classic like carnivore versus vegan argument. Like it's just like, yeah, there's value in both I think. And, uh, and if it works for you, like yeah, that's cool. Yes. Yes. If it works for you, that's phenomenal. But thinking that 
again, thinking what something that you're doing mm, yeah. is good for everybody, it's yeah. just a little bit naive and it's a little bit silly. I mean, for sure. who cares? You 100%, know, yeah. I, I, to a certain degree, you can try to influence people if you're passionate about things, but I think it's important to like not be dogmatic about things that you find that work for you in life because just because they work for you doesn't mean they'll work for someone else. And also like you shouldn't unnecessarily or forcefully push changes or things on other people let it come naturally and just appreciate people for who they are and like you can but with yes. that said you can pick who you hang out with you can inf influence your friends or your your spouse or family like you can have these conversations and let them know and that you care and that you're like learning what's working with me yeah what's like working but it's not like oh my god you're not again you're not fasting what are you doing <laughs> you're gonna die you're sooner than breakfast me. oh that's so lame <laughs> You know, like, yeah, it's, you know, maybe it is lame, but who are you to say that? I guess yeah, and you don't want to be that asshole in the room that's just like yeah, I've been that, that asshole for too many years, so I'm trying to be <laughs> more temperate, more, that's part of growing too, I think, is just being, like I said, being less fragile to changes and being more yeah. anti-fragile and adaptable. And, because uh, again, like, I've gone through phases where like, I, I, for years, I didn't go out. I hated eating out. It was like a big stress in my life because I'm like, oh my God, they're using these, uh, uh, these these tarnished poor quality oils in the cooking the the food is that in your body the food is not organic the yeah. the like all of whatever x y and z biohack uh reason that it goes against i'm just like oh my god like but now i'm kind of like yeah I, I don't like eating out i prefer if i could eat every meal at home i think i'd be perfectly happy with nothing more than that yeah. but uh, i realize <laughs> that not all people like that friends are different um my girlfriend, Christina, she's different. She sometimes enjoys going out. And I have started to develop a different relationship with eating out and not doing – I think I've grown a lot in the past couple of years in that for a while, everything I did had to be healthy or make me physically or uh, make me better in theory. And I'm talking about uh, like like nutrition or like biohacking or like optimizing every centimeter and like, facet of my life so like in in kind of like your closed-mindedness it had to have clear value yes in alignment being closed-minded and again being extremely fragile to life because if uh, you think about it wow. right again and this goes wow. back to maybe the dunning-kruger effect it's like you think yeah. about my nutrition right it's like i would let's say in years past like, you know, my, my wonderful, beautiful, lovely girlfriend, Christine, I love you so much, baby, <laughs> um, if you're listening to this. So let's say, for oh, example, awesome. like, like a normal human being, and I'm, I admit that I'm not very normal, and I love that. I yeah, want, I, I love that too. It, I'm kidding. Uh, if you're normal, it's great. I love you. But <laughs> like, you know, like my, my girlfriend, pussy. like a more normal human than I, she enjoys sometimes eating out and going to dinners. And, and old me years ago, I probably, every time we would have wanted to go to dinner or gone out, I would put up a big fight about it. I'd be like, baby, like, why can't I just make you this beef and rice at home? It's so much healthier. We're using this premium olive oil sourced three months ago from Peru. They're using Crisco cooking. It's going to ruin our cells and, my, and all this stuff. You know, I could just, and I could ruin it for us and I could make it, I could be yeah. not fun. I could be too stringent, too tight too regimented and just not realistic in life and at the end of the day regardless of the food it's i'm it's an opportunity to spend um like to spend with her or to go out and do something she wants to do because yeah. part of a relationship is compromise and commitment and making them feel good that's why they're beautiful it is um but it's just it's just like that's a funny example whereas now i'm like eh, i don't want to go out i know that it's probably not as great for me from a pure physical health standpoint but i'm also i don't get tripped up on it because you know, if I have like a not perfect meal, it's fine. Like my body should be anti-fragile enough to handle that because this is where I was going with introducing Christina and all of this example is that 
if my old ways of doing things were, let's say for months on end or days on end, every day I ate the most, whatever I deemed to be the most perfect meal plan every single day, but then we go on a ski trip or we go on a vacation and that routine is interrupted and now instead of fasting until 3 p.m. and breaking my fast with bone broth, eggs, uh, fill in the blank and having this perfect meal plan, we're eating at 11 a.m. or noon and we're eating a sandwich with bread. Oh my God, and not grass-fed cheese. What am I going to do? I'm so fragile. I'm so weak. Like if that upsets my stomach to a degree where I'm ruined for the day or psychologically my stress about having to eat out, if that Mm, ruins the experience, like what, you know, what are you doing in life? I've I've been there for years. I've been that person. So I think I can criticize that because it was me. But, now it's just more of like, ah, it's fine, whatever. You know, you have to be a little more anti-fragile in life and not so, yes. um, not so susceptible to shortcomings and easily being irritable and off of your path. Yeah, you know. And it's kind of lonely to be so fragile, to be like so dialed, because you're just like you're in that being dialed. You know, yeah. there's no expanding outside of that. Yes. Yeah. Because so. if you're too dialed in one area, you're missing. You're, if you've got blinders on and you're too focused on one thing, I can promise we're, we're missing out on other things that that we're yeah. just shielding out of our lives. So that's cool. The um, that Christina has been just a overall good balance for you. I think that's the key in finding the right partner. It's always somebody who's going to balance you out. Can definitely relate with Alexis. Except my dial is more like, what are we achieving? Where's the drive? What are we conquering? Let's go. <laughs> but Alexis is like such a great way to just kind of like chill me out. And she's such a breath of fresh air, man. It's just like nice and free. Cause I'm like, okay, nah, you don't have to be that way all the time. <laughs> yeah, they teach you temperance, grace, uh, love is important. They teach you to yeah. balance patience. Um, and like you said, just balancing yourself out and like, it's, it is super important, I think, because um, for a couple of years, too, I, I feel like my mid early 20s and mid-20s up until maybe, let's say, the last two years, uh, I was just so focused on me. And a lot of it was from a personal growth standpoint and, like, being so neurotic and, like, trying to just be the best version of who I could be. But I was missing the boat on a lot of social communication and, and being a good person just from being nice and, like, just basic things like that that are just good faith and goodwill to be a good human being. Like, I was yeah. so focused on, like... Again, like the diet, the nutrition, the lifestyle, the routine, the everything you think of from a biohacking standpoint or like I was just kind of missing the boat on some other important relationship connections and also just like emotional control and balance in life. And yeah, being balanced is important. So, well, because it's, um, you know, like you're committed to one person and it's supposed to be just like embracing somebody on like the deepest level you can, I guess, through that partnership. And, um, I don't know. It's just a beautiful way to have to connect with somebody in that way because it causes you to explore very in-depthly. It causes you to look at yourself in a more accountable way because someone else is being affected by how you are. Um, That's really key. You always have to consider someone else's thoughts, someone else's opinions. You collaborate with each other. You have to like balance each other out. It's just a very good example of like a beautiful connection and it's a good tone setter for the rest of the other connections you have inside of your life because of what that relationship has taught you. Yeah, it's uh, it definitely teaches you a lot. I think finding the right partner is helpful in that. Um, 
I, funny side. I was I was looking at the software that you have up for our <laughs> microphones, and I was looking at it and like like Reed's uh, like audio track is like a purple, mine's a pink, and like the purple <laughs> is like I wonder if I'm being super loud because our like bars like up and down of like volume, like mine is like double the length of his. But <laughs> no. I also realized and like You're Christina, she'll like my I'm, yeah. I I You're love talking. I love expanding on ideas. You're the guest. Like, <laughs> talking to it's just funny though because I'm seeing it now and I'm like oh this is a perfect reflection of my life. I talk so much. <laughs> it's just funny um seeing it like in a like a graph like this like wow seeing, yeah. yeah it's just funny um but yeah, so that's a side note <laughs> wow no that is cool it's like a visual enjoy that little, little tidbit <laughs> blue and pink would you say you're a pink uh my favorite colors are probably blue and green i love green i, I always loved blue but i think i just said that naturally because that's like the boy color but i, I do mm, love blue yeah. um nice. i also love green i love a lot of colors purple and pink are close third and fourth probably yeah, yeah for, for sure, sure. Yeah, for sure. I like that. So you were talking about how you would be so fragile, even to the point of not wanting to go out to eat versus staying at home. I guess like not seeing the benefit and getting out, going out to eat because it's just unhealthy food. I don't know. Like maybe like you're spending additional money, like when you could just have sure. a nice, wholesome meal at home. Um, and I know that you've expressed in the past of just being like naturally on the spectrum of introversion. And I can relate with that a lot. I think I'm like naturally very introverted. I'd say I'm like very kind of like, you know, I'll have my moments where I feel very extroverted like a lot of people, but I can relate with being introverted. How would you say you've kind of challenged yourself to be more balanced on that spectrum, but also at the same time, how have you embraced being a natural introvert? Because I think that even though like, you know, people may have OCD tendencies and such that shouldn't be shied away from, I think it's like a nice and it can add to a very beautiful aspect of somebody's personality. So I guess if you could just yeah. expand on that. Yeah, I'm very, I, I feel like I should probably... I know I said before this podcast that I should have done a Myers Briggs test for because we talked about this in some of our preparation for the podcast. But I actually wonder what like if I am an introvert. I mean, I think I am, but I also want to know what that means. And like, yeah, so because, broad. Yeah, because part so of me, broad. I I feel like. I really, I've always had a lot of, or like the friends I've had growing just as long back as I can think, I've normally tended to gravitate towards smaller circles, but deeper relationships versus a lot more relationships with not as much connection and just being more social. Mm, yeah. Um, I would really say the only time that I've try, been like really like connected to a lot of people like on a soft scale like that that I'm talking about was maybe senior year of high school. And it was, it was amazing. It was so fun. Uh, I really branched out, really opened up and met most of the people in my grade. Really? And like, senior year of high school? Senior year of high school, yeah, because most of life was obviously like hockey. So like on like most people hang out on the weekends. Or I don't know what people do on the weekends. But and when I was a kid, it was traveling to play hockey pretty pretty much every weekend or most weekends, right? So that's nice. just what I did. Or I hung out with like neighborhood kids. Like I had close friendships my whole life. Like I've never been like the lonely kid who hates hanging out with people. But um, I guess well, the thing is, is I, I guess thinking about it now, it's like, I, I love being alone, I think, so I can feel productive and get things done and also think and just reflect and, like, I feel like I have control over my life more. But I like being around, like, some people sometimes and, like, having fun. And that's something, actually, that I really have to practice and that I've tried to grow into the past year and a half is is practicing having fun. And it's, that may sound super silly because it just, I don't know, it may sound dumb, but I, I have a very natural... Um, 
tendency to want to stay fragile. Well, well, yeah, I guess that, but it's, I guess what I'm getting at is I have a very natural tendency to want to like stay home. Like I'm very easy going. I don't, I don't have to go out. I don't have to do new, ton of new experiences. Like I, I gain a lot of clarity and comfort in routine, obviously. And just like, I'm, I don't know, maybe I am an introvert cause I could be at home and just not do too much and get a lot of value from it. But, um, I also do see a lot of value, especially after like purposely pushing my bounds, like socially, like meeting new friends and doing experiences and traveling together and even going to like music festivals or like shows. Like I just, it's uh, it can be uncomfortable at times being that social, but it, uh, it, it ultimately I think has value for sure. And, um, I just think that it, balancing introversion and extroversion or like getting that balance right is it's important um especially for someone like me and probably like us like who naturally leans towards the introversion like it's important to push ourselves and build relationships in life because yes um just achieving stuff is good but if you don't have people around you love you and like there's not that communal aspect ultimately i, I truly believe that it's not worth it and, and that's even as me saying that yeah. like i have a hard time doing it making connections purposefully being social because I realize the value of it and I know that from like a cultural standpoint from a uh, evolutionary standpoint like connection and love and friendships yeah. and, and person-to-person contact exchanging ideas it's with absolutely critical and foundational to human fulfillment and happiness it's one of the key links if you look at all of the blue zones and all of those things across the world where you know the longest people live like in addition to having a faith practice the next best predictor i believe or common thread of of like you know fulfillment in life happiness longevity you name it it's social connections with other people and it's very interesting because i know that but it's still hard for me to Mm. consistently do it and not i'm getting better at it but it's just hard for me it's just not natural i guess for me as much but i'm very open like now on this podcast with you i love connecting with good friends it's just um it's i think it's it's less of me being like not liking people or not like going out. It's more of, I said, try, like trying to be more fragile and trying to not be always as perfect on my own routine and OCD, like doing everything I want to do. Like sometimes it's important to branch out and just do other experiences that maybe doesn't feel like productive at the moment, but that is extremely valuable. So realizing that's sure. important. No, and that's a really good testament just of having awareness because you don't want to wake up when you're 35 and you're like, oh, fuck, you know, I never challenged myself to kind of, I don't know, get out and it's just like challenging yourself to have new experiences, but it's just taking the form of building new connections. And I guess you don't want to wake up thinking, wow, I just spent the last 10 years and I didn't really make any connections outside of what I had, I guess. Yeah. And I just read the defining decade by Meg J. It's a, it's a pretty popular book for people. I think it is. Yeah. Um, it's a decent read, actually. I, really, I enjoyed it. Um, I think the 20s are a good time to make lasting friendships. The 20s are an interesting time for change, it appears, from the data and just from people who study it. It's like, you know, you, you build a lot of your foundational lifelong friendships maybe in your 20s. Um, but I'm sure every decade you do. I, I also don't really subscribe to, like, you know, every decade's worse. Or I honestly, from my limited experience on Earth, each year keeps getting better, especially the last like five yeah. years. Like life keeps getting better, man. As you get wiser, you grow, you learn, you experience more, Create like, more opportunities. And we're still so young. We're still so naive. It's incredible. So young, it's yeah, it's yeah, amazing dude. to think that I think <laughs> I know this much about life and I'm still this young. Yeah. I can't wait for more. It's just great. <laughs> we're going to listen and be like, Oh my God, we're so ignorant. I know <laughs> such fools. Um, 
But no, it's just it's great, honestly. Um, I forget where we were going well, with that. But. Well, to go off of sort of like ways to categorize and organize life, something with the way you think has helped me thinking about different types of friends and just embracing different types of connections. Because you can have your friend circle where like maybe you get deep and you talk about like really deep things that matter in life that are going to be very pivotal for you. But it's not like unmeaningful to have I guess more surface level connections I've been trying to embrace that a lot more like having more surface level conversations where maybe I just have friends where we bond over a similar interest and maybe we only talk about that interest and that's okay we don't have to go into like life's purpose all the time with every single person you meet so I guess it's good just to be flexible and not be so one-dimensional that's something I've been really trying to emphasize lately I'm glad you brought up what you're talking about, um, the different types of friendships and connections to people, because they talk about that in The Defining Decade. Ed Milet in his new book talks about that. Um, it's a, it's, I feel like it's a pretty relatively well-known concept of having – there's different levels of friends, and maybe think about it like a dartboard, uh, like with like you know the rings and the bullseye and the rings that get gradually farther away from the center, right? You are the center of the this metaphorical um, dartboard, and – you have a close circle, your inner circle of friends. Um, for us, I think, I mean, I, I can easily identify who that is. Um, those are the key people who influence you in your life because we've all heard of the, yeah. you know, you are the summation five or the combination of the you, five people yeah. you spend the most time with, which I firmly believe in a way. But so for it's sure. important to have a good inner circle. Um, people share values with you and people you are the most intimately connected to in this world. And that's just so vital to existence, I believe. Um, at least from my limited experience. And then I think outside of that, you know, you have people who are further and further away. So maybe you have um, some people who you interact with. So maybe these are people at the gym. Think think more mm, uh, yeah. casual friends, acquaintances, people you're um, graceful to, people who you enjoy talking to, but that you don't talk about your life with. They're not as, you don't have a 30 minute conversation about a marital problem or yeah. you just don't talk about everything. Like there's more, it's more surface level, but not in a shallow or derogatory way. It's, it's just the nature of the relationship because yes. wow. you see them at the gym or like, but, uh, you know, for those who are in Dallas or for those who know, like lifetime, very special place, not only because Georgette is there and that's where our yoga is. <laughs> I've met a lot of good friends from there and Lifetime is a good example of this because I have my inner circle of friends uh, and close people in my life and then maybe a, a branch or two outside of that. There's all of these people at Lifetime that I see you know, most days of the week when I go and they're people who know who I am but they don't know me and I know who they are but I don't know them, if that makes sense. And Mm -hmm. it's beautiful to have these happy social interactions that are light, that are fresh, that are engaging, where you can just say, you know, hey, how are you? Like, or just talk about lifting because you're in the gym. So maybe you you have the same person you always talk about lifting with, or there's people in the sauna that you talk to and hang out with. You always see them, the regulars. Um, And it's nice to be able to be, uh, have acquaintances in life. Not everyone yeah. has to be your best friend. I think that's, I mean, obvious. It's kind of, you know, silly to think otherwise. But I remember... Um, before I go off on this tangent, I'll just finish up what I'm talking about. So but what's cool is that most people maybe think that, you know, the, the inner circle is important and it definitely is because that's where you get a lot of your values in life and where you see a lot of reflections of yourself. And that's where you probably grow and spend the most time with. So yes, those are vital, but what's interesting, uh, Meg J brings up in the defining decade is that 
a lot of uh, there's a tremendous amount of value in those weak social ties. That's what these are called. So Reed, you're a close social tie to me. Same with all of our friends and Christina. Very close social ties. But weak social ties, interestingly enough, uh, have a tendency to be more of the job referrals, job opportunities. Maybe mm. it's um, th- they're weaker ties that you wouldn't share your life with, but they they offer you opportunities in life. And it's just a very interesting thing to think about. I don't really have an example of that, but that was one of the things she said in her book that I really liked is that it's the strength of these weak ties that allow for a lot of things to open up in your life. So you shouldn't be yeah. closed off to them, but you also shouldn't, and this brings me back to my point where I was going to talk about you, is that not everyone has to be your best friend. You shouldn't try to get as deep with everybody. Um, I think you should be authentic. Um, you should bring joy. You should listen and you should care about each relationship and each person, even if they're, it's, it's a stranger, someone homeless, someone you just smile at at the gym. Like Being yourself and being authentic, being happy and bringing joy are great things to bring to any interaction with a human, but there's varying degrees of that where, um, like you, I remember you've told us like sometimes about how Maybe you were like get upset because you didn't feel like you could connect uh, with a particular person maybe as deeply as you had originally wanted to or yeah. as much as some of your other friends. And that's when this conversation had its kind of roots is that I challenged you and I was like, you know what, Reed, I think uh, it's okay to think that because I know you're so intentional, you're so passionate, you love communication and you love being vulnerable and connecting to people, which is an amazing thing because not many people have it. But not everyone has to be your yeah. you know, your inner circle, your best friends. Like it's okay to have like looser social ties, and there's a lot of value in that. You know, one hundred percent. No, I like that a lot. It's it's nice to not always have to set that tone with people and just kind of write off their tone, see what type of tone that they set with you. And um, yeah, that's honestly just been a balance that I've been still pursuing to this day. And, um, I don't know, I think it's gotten a lot better. This podcast has just been a great way to, uh, release all of that, you know, like within this type of conversation, cause we're here, we know we're going to get deep. That's where it is. And then, you know, I can get all of that expression out of me on this, uh, medium, which is nice. Perfect. It's very natural, very fitting. It allows you to express yourself in one of the most authentic ways you can. So it's great. And to go off of, Having something to, to the same way. I was literally just about to say. So speaking of of the podcast, speaking of the podcast, and you were talking about it earlier. That and it's okay if you know people don't have this. There's so many different ways to express oneself through you know all of the organizations of life that we've been talking about. But um, for those that do want to, I guess, express a side interest, sort of entrepreneurially. I guess my reasoning behind it is in my career, which I love so much, you know, in my corporate job, it's just not really, it's like you have your corporate identity, which isn't a misidentity from who you actually are as a person. There's just different constraints with, with, in your professional life. I mean, it's supposed to be that way because you're being professional, but within that, you might not feel that you can express other areas of yourself fully, which is why having sort of an entrepreneurial interest that you can put action behind performance behind and share with the world, I think can be a very beautiful thing. So I guess I would love just to get, cause I mean, you've referenced so many books throughout this podcast and I think a great thing you do very well is consuming knowledge at a very nice level, being able to interpret that knowledge in a cool way and being able to communicate it as well. So I guess how is that consumption stage how is that evolving into more of an acting stage? 
And what does that look like? Grade A transition. Wow. Okay. Um, yes. So consumed a lot of knowledge, consumed a lot of books. The past year or two, I've had this kind of yearning, this idea for how do I share it with people? Because I always love sharing what I've learned and um, with like close friends and like inner circle type people. Like that's just, I love doing that. And it's just very natural. And obviously some of our friends, like we talk about that stuff anyways. So it's very natural when we bring it up and discuss ideas and growth patterns and new things in life. So it's very, it's a very stimulating and encouraging environment that allows my kind of growth knowledge type of journey. It's, it's a good outlet for it because it, it, we naturally talk about that stuff as friends anyways. So it works out perfectly. But uh, so part of this started out kind of selfishly as serving myself, which is a, it's a great reason to, to do something for yourself and find that it can be value of others. So a little background is so like, I, I've thought about it over the past couple of years. Like I definitely, I mean, I have, I, I couldn't tell you how many books I have. Like I was, sometimes I'll like sit down and like organize them or look at them. And I'm just like, holy smokes. Like I've read that many books in this, this past, you know, five, seven years, whatever it is, years. And part of me, it's very interesting because I'm like, wait, I know there was so much value in those books and they were so impactful when I read them, but I don't remember much of the detail. Like, I don't remember like mm. what the book was about the or struggle or, or like what, <laughs> yes. like consuming all this knowledge, but not doing anything with it. So then mm. my brain kind of got turning and I was like, wait, like, I know there's value in these books that I've read because I remember like each book, I remember like I, I love highlighting and annotating books and like I have like visual memories of, of I think I think I can be a photographic memory type of person if we like. Like on some level kind of thing? Uh, yeah, because I used to like thinking about it now, like when I, if I was taking a test in school, I would like always like if I was like trying to, if I couldn't come up with the answer or something like say from say for example like a science or something like like a history or something and there was like a question on a test right like in school the way that I would go about solving it in class like on the exam is I would just sit there and I would just like think like I know that I know this answer and I know that I've seen this content where on the page which book like, no like way. where was it I would like no think way. about like wow. where so maybe I'm photographic I don't know maybe, cool. maybe everyone does that and I just think I'm cool I don't know I, I never <laughs> fucking did that um, okay so I was just like god damn it I don't know it <laughs> yeah it's something a lot of times it would work I'd be like oh that's what it was I remember that bold that bold uh chapter title or like a picture or something I just it's the way I kind of think about that's it that's cool I, I was more of like an essay. Like if there was an essay, uh, just give me open paper and love I'll, it. I'll figure out a way to get, Very natural. get the right answer. Yeah, yeah of course <laughs> yeah. for you. Um, me too. I loved writing and essays, which is part of what we're talk, about to talk about is how it's going to be tied into. Uh, but so yeah, I guess going back is, is consuming all this knowledge. I know there's value, but I don't remember what it is. So we're about to talk about this kind of newsletter uh, book summary project is what we'll refer to it as. It has multiple, kind of, I guess, roots of kind of where it got started and part of it was realizing again that I had a seen like read all these books known there's a ton of value in them and I want to go back and see what I see what I learned and like reintroduce in my life because it's the same concept as watching a TV show like I feel like most people if you've watched a really long TV show like Game of Thrones or anything like any TV show a few years ago uh, you know I'm sure we, there's certain scenes certain episodes we remember but I've actually done this myself, and maybe I just have a terrible memory. But 
I would go back and like watch a show again that I watched many years ago and it literally was like a brand new show. Like maybe there were a couple scenes or a couple key moments in the season that I remembered, but most of it I don't really remember because it's impossible to remember every second or scene of a multi-season saga, right? It just doesn't, it's yeah. just, our brains don't work that way. So similarly with books, I'm like, I know there's value there. How do I revisit these books and get value out of them and make sure most importantly here is the most important point for me is that make sure that the value I got from this book that I remind myself to implement it into action into life. Because again, you can learn all of these things and, but if you don't create a way to put it into your life to create the result you want, it's just knowledge and knowledge without action doesn't do a whole lot. It just dissipates. It, Dis- goes it doesn't, away. yeah, it doesn't do anything for your actual life most of the time. So in in thinking of basically in this project that we're talking about is just to give, to give some context is I basically come up with this idea of like all these books I want to like I've read like I need to basically like go back through them and create summaries based upon the highlights the annotations the concepts in the book and again this is a, a very attributable thing to Derek Sivers um again thankful for his presence on this earth is that he does something similar when he reads a book he just creates a little one page or however long it takes, a little summary of the book. And it's a beautiful concept because I've always wondered like the past couple of years, like as I add a new book to the repertoire, the, the arsenal of books that I have, I'm like, oh, I don't want to forget that stuff. And rereading a whole book, like that's a huge task. Like you already read the book. There's so many more books to read in life. But going back and rereading it, that, that's a hard proposition, right? To reread a 300 page book. But if I have a five-page summary of all of the highlights in that book and the value I got out of it, I could very easily, instead of spending a month rereading the book, I could pick up a summary and read it in 30 minutes or less and get the highlights of that book. It just it literally like fireworks went off in my brain. I was like, that is valuable. I need that. I want that. That will serve me time and time again in life. Nice. So I have to read the book once or twice and then I always have a manual, a summary, a impact value takeaway of it. And I just thought it was like, it just, uh, I don't know. It seems like so that. obvious, but it was gold when I thought about this. And then, so I've been trying to slowly build that out. Um, I like that a lot. And yeah. then you can just read the summary and think, okay, yeah, I remember when I read that earlier. So it's like a benefit for you. And then it's a benefit for other people as well. Cause they can just see the key highlights, like what actually matters within the, within the text. Right. So this, this project that I just, but I just kind of ranted about for 10 minutes was the personal impact and why I think it's valuable for me. But then the other piece of that is again, being able to share what I've learned and thought about with other people. Um, and like, like read, I love being a disseminator of knowledge. I love consuming it, digesting it, synthesizing it, and then sharing it and vocalizing. And I feel very strongly about, um, Malcolm Gladwell. And if you don't know who Malcolm Gladwell is, do your favor and buy every book he's ever written and and read it, please. It's just one of my favorite authors. Um, in, in his book, The Tipping Point, he talks about a couple of uh, different types of people in terms of um, like information. Like, like I guess it's like high-level characteristics or personality traits or how people interact socially. And one of the types he identifies as someone called a maven. And a maven is someone who is like 
he uses the examples of like they're always sharing like coupons or they're sharing like they're like people who leave reviews and like they like try things out and then they share it with their friends and like they don't want any money from it they don't care they just want to share new things they're trying with other people for the benefit of everybody it's just like and it's very altruistic wow. sounding but I just I love that I feel wow. naturally like that I love sh- I mean such a nice got, stoic yeah. purpose <laughs> I just feel I feel like it's just a nice way to think about giving back in a way because I love yeah. consuming all this stuff. I realized that reading a ton of books, consuming a ton of content, trying to learn and grow, like it can be hard and it's a, it's a lot of overload of information. And I think I've been doing it long enough and will continue to do it for my life so that I can hopefully be ahead of the game and share with other people. Yes. Um, trying to, trying to figure out, like I said, people who are farther in the game, who are more wise, who have been on this earth longer and that have something valuable to say. I love trying to take away from them the key highlights that they've learned in their life yeah. and then being able to apply that into my own life and also spread that to wow. other people so they don't have to do the hard work of spending God knows how many hours doing it. They can just get the, you know, give me the five, give me the bullets of what's Beautiful. important, you know? So I love that. It's very purposeful. Dude. And I must say just hearing you talk about it all throughout this podcast, just, you know, the knowledge you've acquired and the way you're communicating it on this platform. I think just the way that you retain it, kind of consolidate it and then interpret it and the way that you voice it out is really cool it's really engaging it's um it's interactive you kind of add your own spin to the knowledge as well but also give like credit where it's due at the same time it's very inviting it's uh attention grabbing so i could definitely see you taking that to an audio or video platform as well just um you know like talking about what you learn throughout a certain book and um communicating it in that way too so that's cool man i'm glad you're um exploring what that looks like um at this level at this current state in life and who knows maybe it'll take different formats as life goes on but it's cool that you're starting with that yeah i think seeing the passion side project kind of artistic expression like facets of your life and maybe Andre as well, and then obviously uh, Vlad as well, and now Mickey even, and then just just seeing our close friends again, using our close friends as a mirror for things to add into our life. It's been yeah. immensely and indescribably valuable for my life and all of our lives. It's just it's a, insane. A, no, it just yeah, it just you can't really explain it or talk about it, but you know what I mean. Um, it's seeing that in you guys. It's been an inspiration for me to think about like. I don't know, like instead of just thinking about life in terms of like, yeah, I just have a career, I work, it's how I get money and it's kind of it. Again, it's creating <laughs> yeah. categories of life of like, I want to have A, multiple revenue streams in life. I think that's a you amazing financial. Um, we don't have to touch on that, but that's, I, I do want that. <laughs> that's another podcast. But I also want to have a career. I also want to have maybe some side hustles or maybe even some entrepreneurship in life and I never really thought about that until the past year or two, honestly. Like I just, I never thought about it really. Um, kind of forgot about it in terms of that's an option for life of creating different ways to express yourself. So like, I love like investing myself now into like my career, like you know, and, and I love like you love your job. I love my job. Love it's, my job. It is a it's the best. Every almost not every day, but at least once a month, once a week. I always am kind of taken aback when I do either like a little morning gratitude or I think about things in life, and I'm like, you know what, I. I can't express how grateful I am to be at the job I'm at and to be in the career that I've been in for four years. And it's just, it's just more than I could have wanted or thought of. It's just for so many ways, I've just grown into it and I love it. Um, Dude, you're a beautiful example of that because I, I, it kind of taught me not to settle for, you know, a 
company or a job position that I wasn't necessarily like thrilled about every single day. And the value of having a job where you spend most of your time inevitably, the value of having in and you spend most of your energy, I mean, unless you have like a really strong entrepreneurial thing that's kind of taken off. But uh, the value of having something you enjoy through your career, oh my God, man, it just makes life so much better. It's so nice. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, having career is a good thing to focus on for me, but also being able to do something on the side, not even for money or like, per, like just from like a purpose and a fun and, and doing something because you enjoy it. Such an important thing. I think Andre talks about that as well. And I think it's actually from Derek Sivers from what something I've read in his book. I think Andre picked it up from him yet again. But um, it's just the concept of like, you don't always have to. So I guess this is an interesting little uh, anecdote is that there's kind of conflicting philosophies or conflicting messages that I kind of think both. I think of things in a couple ways here. So in terms of like intentionality and uh, hard work or focus, like there's always the classic saying of like how you do anything is how you do everything. And what's meant by that is that, you know, if you don't make your bed, if you don't keep your house clean or if like, like you can estimate how a person will behave in most areas in life by, uh, just simply monitoring and evaluating how they do a particular thing. So like if they, you know, if they don't like, I'm trying to think of an example of this. Like if they don't pay attention to maybe their, their health or their routine or they don't uh, have any interest in maybe working out or something or they're just kind of like – if you notice they're sloppy about like something simple, then like maybe they don't – maybe they're not like that in other areas. Like maybe they don't have everything together or – I'm trying to think. I'm not really explaining it well. But it's again, just kind it's, of like a reflection of who they – or it can give you kind of an idea of like where they're at mentally, I guess. Yeah, I think it's maybe the intentionality. I think, I think the best so – let me just resummarize the garbage I just spit out. I think, I think it's – We're going to cut that shit yeah, out. cut that kidding. out. It's, uh, it's more about intentionality. So if you're not like intentional about everything in your life, you're, you're like – that just – it speaks volumes maybe. But the other side of that coin is that – some things are okay to be to do for fun and to not have to go 100% on. Yeah. And this is a little bit more of that balance in philosophy and like trying to figure things out. And like most things in life are a balance, at least from my perspective and the limited experience I have recently. But it's like it's important to do everything well or do a lot of things that you choose to be intentional on and like really, really work hard and really try to be better in life. I firmly believe in that. But it's also – like you don't have to do everything to the best of your degree. Like, like exactly. if I, and this goes for like, like different areas of life or for one area, like for example, I'll give two examples. So one, let's say I love, like I'm very intentional about yoga, my career and skiing, but hockey, when I play hockey now, it's kind of fun. Like I'm not out there like, Oh, I need to like performed so well and if I don't I beat myself up um it still sometimes happens but now it's more of like a casual thing that I enjoy and I don't have to perform 100% at it and that's okay because uh, I, I that's the value I get out of it but yeah. you also can look at it as like I really love yoga and I'm so intentional about it and I'm and I love uh like expressing myself in that way physically but and I and I and I very I'm, I'm good at yoga like I'm not trying to be boastful but like obviously I've been doing it for so long I'm just I feel natural and like I'm capable yeah. but some days the yoga class or even weightlifting like I just feel weaker I don't feel as good or I don't feel as locked in and I allow myself to have that I'm not like yeah. oh you gotta get on it like yeah right. what are you doing this is your thing it's like yeah it's okay right. today's it's fine you know I'll just yes. do it and not you know it's not a big deal if I don't perform 100% today it's okay you know 
Exactly. And I've kind of talked about this is there's, there's a difference between growing and being the best you can be. And I mean, there's like a lot of overlapping layers there, but I hate thinking I need to be the best I can be every single day. It's just such like a weight and such a weird standard, like constantly push myself to work hard towards. Yeah. Whereas you can just embrace multiple different layers of how to grow throughout life. And then you can just sustainably grow, learn more every single day, challenge yourself all the time. I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just nice to embrace those layers. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think, I guess one thing we can close up on the bringing up the like information and like the, the book summary thing is that so I kind of described the reason for like my thinking about it and like the problem that I came up with in my mind and how to try and solve it or like what to do about it. Yeah. But then to start. Yeah. So I guess the idea really has been like to share information. I've thought like, how can I do that in a sustainable way that I enjoy? And I think you said like video or, or vocal. I can I see f- that. I feel like for me, honestly, the idea of a newsletter, like an email style thing, it just speaks to me because I feel like it's pretty, it's like pretty that. low tech, pretty sustainable, pretty easy. I enjoy writing. Um, it just seems like it'd be something easy and fun where like I could just send a little newsletter to some friends every week or two of just some highlights of maybe do a newsletter of, you know, here's a book summary of thinking grow rich, or here's the topic of how to be effective versus simply being efficient without intentionality. And then, you know, do an essay on it. I would read it. You know, provide some quotes, some references, some books, or also the other alternative is just having a kind of a newsletter, a weekly newsletter of like, hey, you know, here's something I read this week that I thought was cool to talk about. Here's a couple of quotes, yes. a couple of cool quotes. Fucking fire. Here, you know, just kind of like a newsletter. Like most people are subscribed to stuff like Dude, that. Dude, so. fuck yeah. I love that shit. But That sounds uh, so sick. I would it, share it with people. I would it, share it with my coworkers too. And this is sure. a, a great other, this is a great transition into our just topic on thoughts versus actions. And we can, I think I can, uh, let me take the uh, transition here, at least attempt to. Um, let me take the reins. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think it, it's an important balance too of uh, being thoughtful, coming up with ideas, but actually acting on those ideas. And I think we've hinted at it or alluded to that throughout this podcast. Yeah. But uh, again, it's important for balance too because sometimes it's great to do things, but you don't always have to beat yourself up if you don't do it, but just be honest with yourself. Um, yes. But it's like... You know, I've had this idea for the newsletter and I've, I've spent, you know, maybe a month, like a month, maybe in like the end of last year, I was like kind of on it, like really focused on it. But then I took six months off and really didn't think about it. And then, you know, the past couple of months, maybe the past two months, I've really kind of thought about it again and been like, you know what? I want to re-engage in this in a minimal way where I'm not overexerting myself, uh, where I'm kind of dipping my toe in the water and starting out slow. And the way that I took that thought and put it into action was, you know what? I am going to start summarizing books because when I, when I was thinking about this whole like concept last year, my, my first thought was to go to, okay, let's start creating a newsletter and send it out to people. But then I took a step back and I said, okay, I think a better first step to kind of get me, get my wheels turning a bit and get some momentum is to start creating book summaries. Again, and the two reasons I mentioned selfishly for myself, as a refresher of the knowledge I learned, but then also creating a summary so that I then can put it into a newsletter and share it later. But so the first step of this, like mm. this project, let's call it, the first stage is really picking 
at least a handful, maybe even spending the rest of this year just building out a backlog of content, uh, book summaries really, and like synthesizing information. And then maybe who knows what that'll look like. Maybe next year I release the first newsletter. Maybe yeah. it's in October. Who, who the it heck It doesn't knows? have to yeah. be perfect. It doesn't you... have to be perfect. I'm just trying. And I think this relates to what Andre talks about a lot with action. And yes. I have found a lot of the past couple of years have been a lot about ideas and thinking and trying. And then a lot of last year was, or I guess a, a lot of this year has been garnished. The first half of this year was trying to think about how to take thoughts and put them into actions, how to actually do something, how to change your life. Like if you're going to say you're going to do something, you actually have to follow through. Like we've said multiple times, but so, so, and I think recently I've been kind of fascinated with, so I, I get the idea now of how important it is to not just think of ideas, but to act on ideas. Mm-hmm. And again, that's a, that is solely a credit to Andre, our friend for inspiring that concept in us. And from them or from him rather, I have, kind of research more on the topic and like Ed Milet is a good example of that Terry Crews is a fantastic example uh, of that beautiful um, human those podcasts with Tim Ferriss were highly recommend friends yeah uh, Terry Crews you know the big the big ripped black guy who was in the Old Spice commercials he was in Everybody Hates Chris um, I'm sure people know who he is but uh, he is a deep deep human being and he is fascinating he but, is uh, awesome and then like Think and Grow Rich talks about obviously like a little bit of action and doing. And I've just been seeing a lot of this theme in my life the past year or two of like just creating action, doing things versus just thinking about them. And Derek Sivers is a huge proponent of that too. But I don't want to keep touting Andre. I'm just, oh, I'm blowing so much smoke on Andre. I love the guy. He's, just, <laughs> he's so great. So, but Andre's uh, gassed up right I know. Now. It's so funny. <laughs> but it's true though. I mean, it's, it's true. I'm not like. It is true. It's Andre's genuine. not sponsoring the podcast. I just love the guy. Um, He's just a hero, <laughs> but so I bring that up just cause like, you know, action is important, but now the past month or two, I've been focused on again, knowing how important it is to take action and not just think about things. Um, but then how do you create a, how do you create processes, systems, and sustainable ways of implementing yes. habits that lead to change that or that lead to action that lead to change, um, so it's like, how do you like, you know, like, let's just do that and try and come up with an example. And then I have an awesome transition is let's say I want to buy a house. You know, I can do research for six months on Zillow and I can use analyzer tools to try and figure out the numbers and the math on the economics of how, what, what makes a deal work. We're talking about from a real estate investment standpoint, like rentals, you know, I can do all of this research and Andre has such a great point about how you can do that for two or three months. You can spend all this time learning or maybe realize it's a bad example because you can't just, not <laughs> yeah, you don't. just buy a house, but let's just, let's pretend, you just have cash, no, bro. No, let's pretend <laughs> that you have $50,000 just sitting and ready for a down payment. Let's just pretend that you can spend three months doing all this research or you can start to like start, you know, obviously after consultation with a real estate expert or consultant, like our boy Ben, mm-hmm. um, like, you know, you could start to take action start trying to put bids on houses and assuming the numbers work out, assuming yeah. that it's not a terrible decision, you could just start investing. I mean, maybe it's learn from that first property, learn from the first property. Maybe a better way to explain this is just from stocks and investing. You yeah. can try and time the market where you can say, oh my God, I need to wait for the drop in Bitcoin or I need to wait for the market crash to buy all of this stuff, which is some ways is true because buying lower is generally better. But you can all do three months of research before you invest a hundred dollars or you can 
just do some basic research and just say, you know what, I'm just going to invest $100, see what happens in a month or two, and oftentimes it's better than... Like, you have to create action, I guess. You can't just think about things. Or like with the newsletter, I mean, you could think about what you're going to say, or you just put one out, and then you'll think to yourself after you sort of performed and shared it with people, you'll think like, okay, what could I have done differently here? Like, how could I... Such a better example. God, my real estate and stock (laughs) is terrible. Hey, man, we just don't have cash for these No, No, but the way you described it, not from a feasibility, but just from like a tangibility of idea, you just described the newsletters way better. Like, I I could have... or like with the podcasting too. I mean, I, I could like sit around all day or like my so my social media marketing is trash right now. But hey, I'm like, I'm learning from the performance. I'm learning from the craft. I'm learning from all of this and like the social media will come. But it's like, you should act and learn as you go instead of just like everything having to be right in order to act. Yeah, and to sum it up, it's again, what Andre always says about how you... Um, you, you often learn more just from a couple of weeks of focused uh, action and experience than you do of you know a long time of just learning knowledge. And that really relates back to the difference between knowledge and wisdom. You know, knowledge is accumulation of information. Wisdom is how you use that information and, mm. and how your uh, intelligence and experiences play into testing what you've learned and realizing, um, again, a little bit of Dunning Kruger wow. effect, a little bit of neutral, like kind of circling back to that. So that's a very nice uh, distinction to make between knowledge and wisdom. Wow, because I guess like knowledge is how you consume, wisdom is how you leverage that knowledge and apply it inside of life. Yeah, or realizing what's important, or realizing what matters. Yes. Another way I've heard it said, maybe Tony Robbins said this. Maybe I'm trying to think who said it, but they were like, you know, knowledge is knowing the answers to questions. Wisdom is knowing which questions are worth answering. And I think that's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah, I like sure. that a lot. That's a, good one. <laughs> that's a really good one. Um, all right, cool, man. Um, fuck, I feel like we just touched on so much awesome shit. And now I feel like throughout this podcast, we have talked about not being so fragile, being anti-fragile whenever you learn something new such as with fasting, not enforcing it on everybody else, thinking it's like the one way to be and being close-minded in that, but actually knowing that you don't know everything and like expanding upon that and uh, just being open-minded. And I think that we can kind of talk about Christianity in that way a little bit because you and I both grew up from kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say closed-minded backgrounds when it came to religion, but I guess just very like traditional, structured, up- traditional, yeah. structured, traditional upbringings and surroundings whenever it came to um, Christianity. Um, but I think there's just like a new way to like spread how we think about it in terms of just being like super open-minded, not enforcing it on other people, and understanding that there's multiple layers of interpretation within it. But there's also, you know, like the truth to it, kind of like what we talk about, like with values, you know, like there's no, um, like you have your anchor values, but there's just like so many layers to it. I don't know. I'm kind of having trouble saying this question, but I don't know. I guess I just wanted to touch on like, I guess what has Christianity meant to you as of late and why has it become sort of that addition to your lifestyle? Yeah, uh, I guess it's it's been a nice thing to really dive into again for the past maybe six to nine months. It's been a goal of mine to develop to to redevelop spiritual health, and it's been good so far. Um, I guess yeah, I grew, I grew up 
you know, and I relatively normal, just, you know, great family, Catholic upbringing. I just went to Catholic school for, you know, uh, kindergarten through eighth grade and then high school, not just non, just a private school, no, no religious affiliation. Um, and I mean, I, you know, I grew up like, I, I just thought everyone was Catholic. I, you know, as a kid, I was like, everyone's around me is at Catholic school. I just thought everyone's Catholic, but, um, I think recent, and then like, you know, I've always been a believer and, and whatnot, but I've never been a, I guess for the past like, like a decade. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. as much of a practicing person. I was just like, had that upbringing. I was like, Oh yeah, I'm Catholic. I grew up that way, but I wasn't doing anything to actually enrich my life spiritually until I'm trying to think, I don't even know what sparked it, but, uh, you know, maybe six or nine months ago, uh, some of our friends, we started a little, like a men's Bible study group. And uh, so some people, I think some people get turned off, maybe, maybe the religious dogma or maybe thinking of themselves like, oh, you know, like uh, Catholicism or Christianity or whatever is wrong because the the church does X, Y, and Z wrong or, you know, uh, religious scandals or like people who like uh, prophesize or like vocalize strongly and are super like, pushy like missionaries or maybe people coming to your door on the little bikes with their preaching you know like maybe yeah. people have bad ideas about it if they're not religious naturally but um i think one of the things that i've learned in our bible study group is that it's what's really cool is that so basically the general structure for people who don't know is like we will just basically take our bibles and um, we'll pick like a book to read so like we did the the gospel according to john was kind of the first one um now we're, we were almost done with Romans, but basically we'll uh, just pick a book to read and then we'll get together once a week and we'll just read like one chapter of each book and then we'll discuss it and we'll talk about it for like most of the time. So it's, I'm not reading the Bible because I want to know everything about the Bible and rediscover every nuance of Catholicism or Christianity necessarily. I'm trying to take away high level values and, and, and read a, one of the, what the oldest most cited and, and generally one of the most well-known and well-read books in history um, and, and just taking the knowledge and values that have lasted for thousands of years in humanity. Forget about the, you know, the religious component. There's just key values in there, like loving one another and love in general and like, um, you know, looking to overcome like worldly sins and like, well, sin's a very Catholic word. So let's just say like overcoming like shortcomings and not falling prey to your human desires and like realizing that we're, we're capable of so much more and fulfillment and like not just being pleasure oriented all the yeah. time. Like just in realizing community too. Like there's a lot of just standard non-religious values that you get out of, out of religion. Yeah. From but, like a practical philosophy. Yeah. From very practical. But, um, yeah. So like, I just like how we, like we kind of read a passage, we'll pick out some cool concepts in it and values, and then we'll step away from the Bible and we'll just have discussions on it. So it's very like informal, dare I say, yeah. I, I still haven't gone back to church. Like you know, I used to go to church every week <laughs> growing up just cause it was part of school. But, um, I think I could be interested in doing that again, just to rediscover at a new point in life, like the God, you know, just the, the scripture and a priest kind of preaching certain things or I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not Clothes are open to it 100% either way. Yeah. It's, it's right now. I'm focused on doing it my own, on my own terms, and that's how we've been kind of doing it the past couple months of just because um, I thought you know I read all these books, I read all this knowledge. Why not read this other book, the Bible, and actually like read it as an older person than just reading it in class? You know, when I was young and like just trying to figure out um, some truths in it, and just I don't know. It just it's great. It feels yeah. good, you know. 
and just kind of being open-minded to what a relationship with a higher power actually looks like and kind of exploring that deeper. So maybe I was being too singular when I said Christianity, but I like how you're emphasizing just spirituality, yes. religion, whatever, whatever religion or spirituality that you're exploring right now. But it's just nice to keep in mind that um, there is this concept of having a relationship with a higher power and it can add so much value to your life. Like personally, like with God for me, it's just like a, it's a limitless intention for me to surrender myself to and I can sort of just like embody it instead of having so much of my ego filled or emptied inside yeah. of everything that I do, you know? And now it's filled because I have something that I can surrender my ego to and just embody it and live within it forever. And um, I'm glad I, you said that. Yeah, I think, um, just to take the range a bit, I think the what you said is good because that's one way of use religion is to get out of your own head and like to realize there's something more than you and it doesn't have to be God. It can just, again, nature, like mountains or like, uh, yeah, nature just, can be that higher yeah, power yeah, concept I mean, just, that just you're thinking getting, of. Well, I think yeah. religion, spirituality, one of the things that it's, I, I, I think religion, so taking a step back evolutionarily, like I think there's a tremendous value in looking at what is with stood the test of time and realizing that there's probably value there like like for example like why has religion like not a specific one but in general why is a spiritual component of life been a part of humans as far back as we can yeah. think like there must be something valuable there right something like, fundamental yeah like it, it has value or else it would have died out because you know people have seen that maybe it works or it provides meaning so it's it stood the test of time. There's certain things like that that are interesting to be aware of, um, just from a because like we're living for what 25 years out of thousands and thousands of years of human history. Like what like, you know, it's a small fraction. So yeah. we're so naive to think we have it all figured out and not to take stock of the people who came before us because they've they've been here. They've also done it. We have to uh, imb you know kind of take the scenarios and and respect them or maybe try to understand them and why they're there, but. Yeah, I think religion is just a way to get out of your head or get out of thinking you're the, like you said, like ego-driven or like you're the only thing that matters in this world. And just it's just like a nice, I feel like it's a very good value thing to do, like regardless of the the specific religion, religion or beliefs that you have. Yeah. Um, it's just a way to kind of submit to a higher power. Not a higher power. I don't like saying that. I know what you're talking about. But to the yeah, podcast, not, I don't like saying that. I just, it's well, a way to get out of your own head and yeah. realize you're not everything and that you're part of a bigger thing in life and that you have this kind of obligation of, you know, be a good human, uh, well, perform, it's, it's, you know, et cetera. I think. Well, I guess it's just tough saying hi higher power because people automatically Thank think God. of it in yeah. a worldly way. So they think of it as higher, as in like a hierarchy. So like having a king over you, like they're better than you and you're worse. Whereas the distinction though with God is he's like connected to our reality, but independent of our reality at the same time. So when it's higher power, it's more just like, in a totally different kind of dimension of thinking that's apart from hierarchy. And I think that's what the beautiful thing about just having a relationship with God is because then you can have that relationship meaning with something that is independent of hierarchy and then you can embody that so that you can just carry that forward and bring people together through that limitless goodness and love. Yeah. So. Yeah. As as a, I guess a backing from perhaps a a scientific or a like a logical perspective, uh, I think it's pretty without dis like you know, without dispute or I think it's not really controversial to say I think and there's like you know from science and psychology like I think there's a pretty good understanding that humans are 
driven by certain desires and impulses and things, but one of the things we also have in common is that regardless of who you are or what it is, we all worship something in our lives, and it takes, um, I guess it, it takes fruition in a lot of different ways. So like some people um, worship or, or have or are a slave to money. Some people to maybe fame or uh, some people it's their career. They just uh, are and some people maybe it's God or religion or there's there's different things and you may not realize it or like you may not think that oh I every day I wake up and I praise um, going to the gym or I praise my nutrition or my um, or, or drugs even yeah, on a negative like connotation like like I think like I think it's a pretty well understood assumption of, of human psych- psyche is that we do have these things that we all look up to and that we even if we don't like um, consciously worship it and realize it there are certain things that drive us and certain things that shape our value system and mm. the way and our motivations for doing things and we're, no one's immune to it right it's just it is what it is i'm like i said i think that's an assumption that i'm basically is, is, is saying is true that we're all driven by these things so it's important to be aware like what your worship or what your master is and not let it be something that's unfulfilling or that is hurtful for you. And again, I mean, I, I don't think that's a great way. To yeah. I mean, it. if you, and if you know, let's just be super like dark or super simplistic. Like if you knowing that you are a slave to something, if you had to pick something to be that you're probably picking God or something fulfilling that's higher than you would theoretically be better than picking yeah. something worldly like drugs or going yeah. to the gym or just something silly, but it provides meaning to a lot of other things in life. But, um, it's also one of those things too, where like, I'm not, super like like I you know I, I believe there's a God and I believe a lot of these things and it just I have a good you know I'm building back a faith with it which is fun and it's very interesting and it feels very right but it's also like you know not everyone has to do it it's just it's just gonna yeah, important exactly. conversation to have beautiful brother well thanks again for being the last guest of confidently anxious season one episode number six. We're going to come back with season number two, video content, you fucking bet. Let's revamp it. Come back stronger than ever. But um, yeah, Chris, I really enjoyed this episode, and I think it was just a perfect way to wrap up season one. So thanks for coming on, and uh, I appreciate you. Thank you, man. I love you, brother. I uh, It's been a good time talking, and it's been it's been a lot. I was a little bit nervous before coming on just because I was like, we have these amazing conversations all the time, but how is it going to come across when it's like planned or it's, we're trying to curate this conversation to be natural. Like we normally have these conversations. So I'm just very, very pleased that hopefully this came across well and it's well received. And a lot of people get a lot of you know, tidbits of knowledge and that we had a good conversation. I'm very, I'm just very pleased personally with how we feel right now. And maybe that's just the coffee and the fasting, <laughs> and the fasting everyone fast. I feel so good right now. Yeah. I'm I'm, I've actually fasted too. That's uh, funny. Um, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm glad to have the honor to be on here and, uh, just cause the other people who preceded me are fantastic. So hope this podcast can just be of value to our friends or whoever listens really. So enjoy to see how the next season goes. Um, see what you come out with and come back with after a little hiatus and just kind of a regrouping. So pleasure to be here and sure will happen again. So hell yeah. Thanks brother. Love you, man. Love you too. Oh man, that was nice. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in staying tuned to the Confidently Anxious brand, feel free to check out the website, confidentlyanxious.co, and you can listen to the episode on other platforms that I'll put in the show notes. Thanks.